0: And to start off, episode one ninety two. Some Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. Boom, no.
1: Are you gonna buzz yourself? Because I don't have access to the. Sound oh really? Effects. Yeah,
0: I, I suppose I, I suppose I can. You gonna buzz me ten seconds into the episode one ninety two?
1: Yeah. Uh, although uh, your your buddy Derek Wilson wrote in and said I should be nicer to you. I don't know who Derek Wilson is. Uh, he's, he likes you. Oh, really? Yeah. He says uh, he's tired of Holman constantly ragging on lightning. <laughs> yeah. He, he wrote an email. He says- uh, Thank you. I mean, do you want to hear it? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. okay. He says, uh, guys, I've almost listened to every episode of the Truck Show podcast. Actually, I think he sounds like this.
0: Hey, guys, I've heard every episode of the Jack Show podcast, blah, 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 lightning.
1: Oh, he doesn't no, does sound like that? No, okay. no, absolutely All right, he not. He says, uh, I've given you five-star reviews on my wife uh, and my phone. No, let's, no, read it with an English accent. No. He's,
0: he's astute and he's, Ooh, he's and a cigar no, with, with, a, with, a,
1: with a velvet jacket. No, he's not. <laughs> I love the information provided from the show. I hope you take this as constructive criticism. It started out funny, but has progressed to extremely annoy me. Almost to the point of not wanting to listen to the show anymore. Holman, lay off bashing of lightning. Seems like you jump on every opportunity to belittle him while talking to almost all of your guests. Yeah, on purpose. Yeah, that's absolutely part what? of it. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, are you trying to build our brand as a as a podcast or or the or the Holman brand? I guess that's what he's getting at.
1: No, I don't think that's what he's getting at, but that's a interesting take. Mm, yeah. uh, it comes off as a middle school kid beating up on someone to make themselves <laughs> feel better. Don't take this as a keyboard warrior act, though. If I met you in real life, I'd say the same thing, Holman. I get that you're frustrated about your F-100. (laughs) There it is. I'm in a similar situation. I have someone that's supposed to be body-dropping my 92 Chevy S10 and has not touched my truck for almost eight months. Hey, dude, try five years. If you are tired of nothing being done, then pick the truck up and find someone else to do the work. Anyway, thanks for the consistent content. Again, five stars.
2: Five star review! Five stars!
1: Nice. Um... I appreciate I w- your support, my friend. I would say that there's a level of shtick involved. Uh, I would also say that it's not centered on the F100. No, it's no mostly no. water under the bridge. Mostly yeah. water under the yeah, bridge. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Eh, thanks for the email, Derek. Well, he, he loves the fact that uh, his F100 is at banks and is not getting worked on, and my truck that started to get worked <laughs> on is no longer mine. But so it's still it's getting a- worked on. But it's not mine. It's irrelevant now. It's just now, but you you're enjoying the karma, and I would be too if I were you. I'm not enjoying the karma. I wanted to see the thing done. Well, it's gonna get the done sooner. It's out of the way. Mine can maybe True. get True something that. into it. True that. All right. It's episode one ninety two, and we've got a great show coming up for you, including Jacqueline McQuaid. Who is she? How about the executive chief engineer of freaking full size trucks at General Motors? That's a pretty uh, big get. So that was your get, correct? Oh yeah. Hey, go me. Go you. Here, here. Give me some five nice see we don't always hate each other no we get along here and she's talking about the zr2 not the colorado zr2 the new silverado zr2 that's right and we're checking in with our friend billy mojave desert Creech. now billy is his middle is, name really mojave desert it is we should is. ask
1: him what his real uh, middle name is because i don't think it's mojave desert
0: uh and i also think that his mother calls him william what do you think uh, when he's in trouble, yes. Yeah, definitely. William Creech, William Mojave Desert Creech. You get right over here. What does your mom call you when she's mad at you?
1: Uh, she just doesn't call me. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> see what I said? see yeah, what I did yeah, there.
0: Yeah. All right, I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> ah, see what I did there? <laughs> I do see what you did there. And for those of you that stick around to the very end of the show, we've got a little treat for you. It'll make sense when you hear it. Uh, we hope. I think it. Well, yeah, if you listen will. to the end of the last show, it will definitely feel good. Yes.
1: All right. Uh, before we get into the show, then we better thank uh, Nissan for uh, bringing out the awesome little 2022 Nissan Frontier hitting dealerships right now. In fact, I saw one at my local uh, Surf City Nissan the other day.
0: Now, oh, okay, I saw so, two of them actually no, parked wait right a minute. out front. You had lunch with a certain somebody at, at from a certain company that starts with an N and ends with an N. Cannot discuss that
1: further. Thank you. Oh, really? Moving right along, you ah. should go down and check out the uh, all new Nissan Frontier. By the way, I have had so many people just from random walks of life, who would never have in the past even uttered Frontier go, dude, the Frontier's sweet. It's or, legit. I, I'm really stoked on that thing. Or, dude, I just saw one on the road. That's a badass little truck. I mean, I don't know if they could have hit a better home run with styling, because I will tell you, like, you've got vehicles like a Bronco, right? A Raptor, a TRX, um, You like buzz models, you know, like some special
0: model that's your halo vehicle for the brand. People didn't see this one coming. You know, they they just thought, oh, it's a a Frontier, which is great. truck. But there, and then they see it and they're like, what? Well, it's not only that though,
1: but I think that like you expect those buzz models to do that. But out of like normal vehicles coming out that are your mainstream vehicle that doesn't have a big halo around, it, it's just, it's your update. I cannot, and I'm going to be honest, I can't remember the last time I've had this much uh, response to my story where people have been emailing me, asking me questions or You're DMing talking about the one me. and four-wheeler? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at uh, motortrend.com, so go to the uh, four-wheeler section, see my first drive of the Nissan Frontier Pro 4X. But so many people have emailed me and, and commented on that, and even when I put it on my socials, I, the love for the new
0: Frontier is pretty epic. The reason it's a win is they packed so much of what we loved about the Titan into the Frontier.
1: And the new Frontier styling is great. It stands apart. It's not a derivative. Uh, it looks like its own truck. The tech, the the interior, you know, the seating position, the comfort, the quietness, the capability, all those things that you're looking for in a midsize truck. And it's still garageable, which is great for somebody who is looking to drive that in the city. So, Although not in my house. Uh, it, would, it would fit in your single car garage, but you'd have to get through the eight in the driveway to, uh, to get it. No, right and now that... there's
0: very few vehicles in the driveway. That's true. You still don't have a car, do you? No, I don't have a vehicle I've been borrowing. <laughs> it stinks. Well, I've been borrowing my kid's car, but then when he starts driving to school, I will have no car. I don't have no truck. I've been driving. Mean, I drove that fifteen hundred yeah. today. With the customers? Uh, no, no. That's, I don't drive. That's a side topic we should talk about later. Because okay. I feel it's unethical to drive a, a customer's vehicle. Well, not unless unethical. A, just unless it's, just it's
1: uncool. Well, it just depends if you're doing legitimate work on it and you have to get miles on it. I can see the even value. still,
0: and it's weird. Hmm. You know, it's like sleeping in someone else's bed. It's not cool.
1: All right. Well, uh, speaking <laughs> of beds, Nissan Frontier, Nissan Titan, Nissan Titan XT, if you uh, are looking for a new pickup truck, head over to your local Nissan dealer or check out nissanusa.com where you can build in and price. And again, Nissan has one of the most underrated truck lineups out there. So if you're looking for a new truck, make sure you add it to your list of trucks to check out.
0: Hey, and speaking of Nissans that have the five-year, 100,000-mile warranty, do you know what else has a crazy killer warranty? How about uh, Duralast Tools? Because every single one of them, guaranteed for life. <laughs> Why, yes, my friend, you are
1: correct. Well, of course, then you know that Dirtlast features a complete line of professional-grade hand tools engineered for what matters most, speed, access, and strength. Correct. These Dirtlast tools are manufactured with heat-treated forged alloy steel for superior strength and feature full-polished chrome finish for corrosion resistance and easy cleaning. Sockets (laughs) and wrenches feature off-corner loading technology to help Uh prevent the rounding of fasteners. Professional-grade ratchets and drive tools feature chamfered square-drive lead-ins for fast and easy placement of sockets and accessories. And they got a whole bunch of other stuff too. You shouldn't
0: overdo uh, <laughs> Duralastparts.com. Just, you just, just boned out there. And I, well, I, I, I keep going. I don't want tools. you to run out of dings. You only have so many dings. No, I have them all. Oh, do you? I have all the dings. So
1: every time I mention uh, Duralast, uh-huh. you should ding me. All right, here we go. Ready? We go. Yep. All right. Duralast Tools, Feature, Duralast, Guaranteed for <laughs> Life, Warranty, AutoZone. Duralast,
0: <laughs> our our listeners are like, stop it with the freaking dings already.
1: <laughs> Yo, well, we also had some of those emails as well. Uh, so, oh really? Yeah, well, yeah I, the I, I, I just,
0: specifically. Uh, just
1: the the jingles, uh, and the sound effects. <laughs> All right, if you're looking for a new set of hand tools, head over to your local AutoZone or DuralastParts.com, where you can find the right tool for the
0: job and also the most tool for the money. You should trademark that and then sell it back to Duralast. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Holman, speaking of that uh, truck that I'm borrowing right now, the ride leaves a little, no, a lot to be desired. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, Well, I would say- That's where I just teed it up, and here's you just swinging for the fence. Boom! Yeah, I would say uh, you should
1: definitely uh, get new ones. (laughs) Oh, is that the wrong answer? Yeah, that's the wrong answer. All right, you definitely want to go to BillStein.com. That's the right one. And answer. check out their expansive catalog mm-hmm. filled with applications.
0: Uh-huh.
1: BillStein monotubes are the shocks that you want on your truck. Tell and me more. From company that invented monotubes back in 1955.
0: Come on, give me some, give me
1: some. Uh, BillStein's got full coverage for all Woo! popular vehicles.
0: All right, hallelujah. direct replacement Amen.
1: Leveling kits.
0: Yeah. Race parts. Uh-huh.
1: Hey, and if you uh, are looking for a new vehicle, did you know that uh, Nissan Frontiers and Nissan Titans come with Bill Steins from the factory on the Pro 4X model? I did not know that. How about Ram TRX? Bill Steins. How about the Ram Rebel? Bill Steins. How about the new Ford Bronco? Haas package? Bill Steins. That's right. Head over to uh, BillStein.com. And uh, for you Toyota guys out there who are buying Bill suspension, you can now get upper control arms that are matched to your Bilstein shocks directly from Bill
0: Now, all of us have – well, I shouldn't say all of us have trucks. Most of you have trucks out there, (laughs) and you accessorize them. When you want the best accessories out there, go to our friends at DZ.com. That's D-E-E-Z-E-E.com. The uh, quality truck
1: accessory people DZ has been manufacturing truck and SUV accessories in Central Iowa since 1977. Their products will get you work ready with toolboxes, transfer tanks, side steps, and truck bed protection, and weekend ready with overlanding products such as roof racks and a whole lot of Jeep accessories, just to
0: name a few. Dude, the tailgate board! I just stumbled on this. So, for 275 bucks, you get this really durable tailgate protector. So you could fully we use do... it as a cutting board. You, you can, can use it as a board. workbench.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's a nice, smooth surface for uh, for doing work. Uh, you can find that, again, at DZ.com, or be the first to know about new products by following them on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at DZ Manufacturing. That's D-E-E-Z-E-E-M-F-G.
0: Holman, you cool if we start the show? Okay, good. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck
3: truck rides with the truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything
0: in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the
3: ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman
0: all right Mr. Holman, what is first on deck?
1: Uh, I think we'll uh, do my quick interview with Jacqueline McQuaid, who, again, is the uh, executive chief engineer of full-size trucks over at General Motors. Uh, She's been on the show before. Super, super talented. Um, Really uh, a a wealth of information and knowledge, and we kind of drill into the 2022 Chevrolet Silverado a little bit, and uh, I had a chance to talk to her. I figured let's make this a, a podcast interview, so here we have it. All right, so we have Jacqueline McQuaid back for the uh, another segment of the Truck Show Podcast. Had an opportunity to uh, reach out and have a conversation with you today, Jacqueline. It's been a couple of years since you've been on the show, and remind me—is your current title still Executive Chief Engineer of Full Size Trucks?
4: Yes, it is, Sean. Yep.
1: That's a uh, that's a pretty weighty title within the walls of General Motors, I would imagine.
4: You know, it is. It's a pretty exciting title to have within the walls of General Motors, and. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, as my predecessor used to say. You've got some pretty impressive folks before me. I think you got an opportunity to get to know Tim Herrick, oh, my yeah. predecessor and really a mentor of mine for many, many years. So, yeah, it's exciting to follow in his footsteps.
1: Tim's a great guy. He's been on the show a bunch of times, and uh, it's exciting to see you know what you have to talk about now. I know that uh, you're busy, so we won't keep you too long, but wanted to touch on the 22 Chevrolet Silverado. Because it's your mid-cycle refresh, but it's not just a you know a new fascia and uh, a few new options. You guys did quite an, an extensive uh, overhaul of the new truck, especially when it comes to the interior, which I had a chance to sit in, and it is absolutely gorgeous.
4: Yeah, you know what? Typically, three years after launch, you know, products go through mid-cycle, a um, little bit of touch-ups here or there. You're right. This is a, a really large um, change interior certainly, um, obviously some exciting changes in the powertrain space, the ZR2 that I'm sure we'll talk about. We did a lot for this interior only three years after it launched and uh, and I'm glad you you like it.
1: So what was your sort of the motivation or the focus of, of this new change? Was it, obviously the competition is really good. There's a lot of great trucks today, especially in the full-size market. And you guys came out and had also a competitive truck, but everybody keeps moving the bar. And so I'm guessing that there are certain areas of focus that you wanted to bring to the table with the, the 22. And I think some of them are more obvious than others. I'm sure there's a lot of engineering changes that are under the skin. Maybe talk to that and what your goals were. And and if you guys think you, you know, you achieve them with the new truck.
4: The sun never sets on full-size trucks, right? We are always raising the bar. Um, our competitors are always raising the bar, and we have no intention of giving up truck dominance. So we are always reaching for what that next level is, and we listen to our customers.
1: By the way, uh, I love it. We had uh, you know, Ram on last week talking about truck dominance. We had Ford on a couple weeks ago talking about truck, truck dominance. dominance. We've got GM on talking about truck, truck
0: dominance. They're all like,
1: no, I'm the best. I'm the best. I love it. Like That's what gives uh, us better products. We love,
0: yeah, we love hearing about the competition, but I wonder... How heated it is in the walls—we'll never know. You and I yeah. will never know. I mean, we'll, we unless we get somebody an idea, really, but well, unless we get someone really drunk and they tell us. But like, let's do that. Yeah, we should try on the next show.
4: <laughs> and we have a lot of conversations with our customers on, you know, what do they love and and then what do they want to see us enhance? And we learned a couple things things in those conversations. One was we wanted to take the interior to the next level. Um, we're proud, very proud of the truck we have on the road today. Um, but we're always looking to raise the bar, and and we decided the interior was one place we really wanted to raise the bar, and, and we've done that. You know, we've we've got a re-
0: pause it right there for a second, Holman. All right, yep. now she's being generous, you know, saying that people wanted a some upgrades in the interior. Yeah, I, I think that people were demanding that the. Um. They, Well, let me put it this way. What what would you say that there were people who were defecting from the bow tie, going to Ram because of the interior? I think
1: think there are definitely conquests, but here's what I would say. If you were a GM guy and a hardcore GM guy and you breathed GM and you only bought GM trucks, you loved the new interior update. If you were somebody who was open-minded to cross shop the competition out there, Mm -hmm. it wasn't the best interior on the market. Let's just put it that way. Was it good? Yeah. Did it have the majority of features other trucks had? Yeah. Were the materials as nice? Not really. Were Was there as much thought into some stuff? Eh. You know, it just, it it's, there's nothing wrong with it. If somebody handed you that truck and well, said, here's your, here's okay. a truck to go drive cross country. That's interesting
0: that you said that because I was really happy. You know, you were, I think, at work when we got our 18, yeah. um, right? Our LTZ, yeah. our 2500 HD. And I loved it. I loved it until right. someone rolled up with it was you actually uh-huh. until I saw one of the limited one of the, Rams. Yeah, the Ram and limited. then I thought oh well that's my oh. point right
1: that's my really? point if you yeah. only ever drove GMs you were like this is a great interior nice update it's it's luxurious and it's nice and it's but then you when you saw how far the bar had moved you were, you a GM guy were like Oh damn
0: yeah you know what and I really do like the Ford I feel yeah. like the Ford is a little dated as well yeah but I kind of I feel like the the Ford to me is industrial the Ford is just a work truck that they've made really nice inside yeah so i'm I'm able to cut them with some more slack but GM and Ram I feel like they're more the again they've got the the, the interior needs to be like escalade quality you know yeah yeah you don't feel it I think the new one is. I mean, the new interior is gorgeous. I, I mean, I've only seen pictures of yeah. it. I haven't sat in uh, one yet, and I suspect that it's much better. It, it, it is
4: fresh, all new interior starting with LT and above. And once you get to the high country,
1: by the way, LT and above, the old dashboard stays in the work truck models. Oh. So the new dash and interior improvements are in the LT and above. Just she mentions it there. I just wanted to point it out. Okay.
4: Uh, it's it's really nice. I mean, open pore wood, soft wrapped uppers, um, a very nice, well appointed. Um, really luxurious interior, frankly. Um,
0: Sorry to keep stopping this. Real wood. Yep. Open open pore pore wood. wood yeah. yeah. Huh. That's it's really nice looking. Spendy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: Um. In in the mid cycle, so that was something that we absolutely focused on, and um, we're really proud of it. Added to that, we've got this thirteen point four inch diagonal color touchscreen. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but it um,
1: is absolutely gorgeous in person. Yeah. But what I was most impressed with for the size is it's pretty well integrated into the dash. You don't have like four. This is specifically to your comment about the Tundra with the (laughs) screen sticking up that I brought up. And you'll also notice I talked to her about inky blacks and listen to what she has to say.
0: Oh, I'm dying. You didn't say Tundra though, did you? Did you say? I I did Did you lie like, have you seen the Tundra? No,
1: (laughs) no, no. no. Listen, listen on. Okay. Okay. Four or five inches of screen sticking up above the dash, which. My, uh, my co-host lightning hates, right? And there's a lot of yeah. manufacturers out there who have put in a giant screen, but they never anticipated the real estate needs. And you guys have done a great job of integrating it. The 12.3 inch driver information center screen, the 13.4 inch screen. One of the things I wasn't a fan about on the old truck is that the off angle of viewing, mm-hmm. um, you would lose that contrast ratio. So while you looked at the screen straight on, it was really inky and black and and look for the really night, nice. but as you were in the driver or passenger seat looking at it, it would wash out a little bit. And the reds were a little bit pink, and it just
0: wasn't as crisp. That's not the case with the new screen. The new... so they got the pixel angle correct.
1: Uh, I mean, there's a lot of technology that goes into screens, but the, oh it's, yeah. it's, it's my kind of wanted. I, I guess part of this was I kind of wanted affirmation that GM knew about this. Like, like you've sat in your <laughs> trucks. Why are all my red, you know, CarPlay? Pink things pink and magenta and and why does it look gray instead of black right you know and that's sort of what i was bringing up and she says "New screen is is gorgeous
4: yeah thanks um that was actually obviously a really big focus it's funny you mentioned even color quality and and for pigmentation because we did focus on that quite a lot too Um, and you add you know this google built-in if you've had a chance to play around with the google built-in that we have with google play store and and navigation and you put that up on this huge 13.4 inch touchscreen, which point, is really well integrated into the center stack. It looks as though the interior was really designed around it, which in large part, it kind of was. It just, everything flows so nicely and flows horizontally. It makes the inside of the truck look really, really spacious and feel really spacious.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, the uh, Truck Show podcast logo looks incredible uh, from the Google Play store on the street. <laughs> well done. Had to include a little, little drop, a little, you know, a little Truck Show podcast love right well there. Well done. Uh, did, did have a chance to play with that. I think you guys did a good job of um, cleaning up some of the four-wheel drive controls um, where you have the modes for the transfer case and modes still on the left-hand side, kind of down where the light switch is. But some of the things to activate lockers and ESC and all those have moved. Over in, in are very readily available on the center stack. I think the layout is really good. Mm-hmm. Um and, and overall the interior just works, it flows really nicely, and it's uh it might be one of the best interiors out of General Motors, period. I think uh Corvette is probably up there. Um, but if this is the future of where GM interiors are going, it's it's gonna be pretty uh pretty awesome for the brands because uh it is it is stunning.
4: Yeah, glad to hear you like it and and glad to hear those comments. The interior is really sort of the perfect example of function driving design and doing so in a way that really elevates design at the end of the day. I mean, you talked about where we move some of those switches, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit about where we're taking off roading and just the need for customers to be able to access that easy. Um, And so we've we've taken function into consideration when we had this opportunity to really do an all new interior. And so we thought about things like switch.
0: You know, I've I, I've said in my fair share of of GM trucks. I've never felt like the uh, the placement of the controls were was out of whack. Like I've never felt like I had to go searching for something. Where um, we both done that in I other don't, trucks. I don't
1: know if it's searching as much as it wasn't as easily accessible. I think now they fall really nice under the hand, and it's kind of like the uh, Colorado where the switches are right there at the bottom of the center stack, where your hand at the front of the console. Um, it's just easier to get into some of that stuff that you want to. I still don't know that I love having the four-wheel drive control on a similar knob as the headlight control down buried on the left, mm. but I'm not using. I'm using that to get into four-wheel drive, and then I'm leaving it for the rest of the day. Well, it's but the you're things also, like
0: lockers. Yeah, but also remember. Yeah. It's things like lockers
1: and stuff like that, ESC, traction control, that I want to get into, in and out of while I'm driving. I, I those see. are easy to get to. Well,
0: most people are leaving the lights on auto, so that is not really. And you're not going in and out of four wheel drive all the time, so right. I, I think those are less used, and that's why they're on the left side. Yeah, I get, uh, I, yeah. I get that.
1: I, I'm, you know, again, if you if the old interior worked for you before, you'll be still impressed with the new one. I'm guessing that you did the uh, the normal changes to. It's a little bit quieter, a little bit stiffer, rides a little bit better, kind of all those things but what are some of the changes under the skin that you and the team are really proud that you were able to accomplish for the new truck?
4: Well, obviously our biggest pride and joy is the ZR2. I mean, when we talk about changes that we made and for a mid-cycle to be introducing an all-new trim and an all-new trim with the level of change and differentiation from what we have on the road today, you know, is pretty impressive. Um, Taken really a, a trail boss, if you will, which is a, a great lifted truck and our customers love it from an off-road perspective. Um, but then really taking that to an off-road place where we took the Colorado ZR2 to, frankly, um, with you know the larger tires and the wheel travel and the skid plates and the DSSV dampers from Multimatic and the springs and the shocks and just really taking the entire chassis and taking it to a place where our customers can you're really confident with authentic off-road capability um desert racing rock crawling trail running you name it that's really where so much of our time and focus you know under the skin as you call it went uh as we prepared for the 22 silverado
1: yeah the dssvs are a, are a fantastic shock on the colorado um i've had a chance to sample uh the race version of the silverado shocks on uh, chad hall's race truck and in fact when he first got his uh silver oh, hold on you got in shocks again, and Chad Hall in the same sentence. But in all fairness, he is in the promotional videos, and he's the one that helped them develop this. Truck. I get it. I get it. Colorado race truck. Uh, I was able to go to Suaro and go for a ride in it, and it was the very first time that he had driven the truck himself. And so I had a chance to sample the DSSVs there. Obviously, there's a different, you know, production version that's not race specific on the, on the new. Silverado, but my guess is that if, the, if they land somewhere between where Colorado ZR2 is and the Silverado race truck is, you guys are going to have a uh, really successful uh, program. They they work great, they look great. Um, on the ZR2, it's a little bit different than some of the other uh, trim levels like Trail Boss, where you can get a selectable front and rear locker, uh, 33-inch tires, and it comes standard with the 6.2-liter and the 10-speed automatic. So. One engine that is a uh, hell of a lot of fun to drive with that <laughs> suspension. It should be a blast off-road.
4: It is a blast off-road. I've had a chance to drive the ZR2, um, the production ZR2 on Swarrow Trail. And I can tell you it is a blast to drive off-road. I also got to spend some time with Chad Hall and, and his race truck out in.
1: That's her mentioning Chad Hall, not me this time,
0: okay? Keep going.
4: And one of the best in the desert races in Nevada early last year. And so got to be part of the development of the DSSVs. Obviously, we developed them on that race truck and continue to integrate them and modify them as we went along. But I was with him, you know, in the early stages of that development, actually with Multimatic, they came down to Nevada as well. And, and all three groups were together, team engineering, Chad Hall and his whole team in Multimatic racing the truck and crawling under it and assessing and you know, having some conversations with Chad, it's obviously a, a three zone damper. So how are we working in the Johnson and in the rebound uh, zones and how's it feeling for him? You can, you can throw a huge engine in an off-road race truck. Right. But at the end of the day, uh, that's not necessarily what's going to give you the fastest time. If
0: Oh, now hold on a second. Hold <laughs> on. Did you more more you shots said? fired? More shots fired. If you guys listen to the last episode. <laughs> the last two episodes. Last two episodes, other manufacturers both said, oh, you don't just throw horsepower <laughs> at a truck to make it good off-road. They're like a bazooka at Ram. They're like, load, fire, <laughs> boom. Yeah. And here's Ram going, we're selling a boatload of TRXs, guys, so yeah. you better throw some horsepower at it. Well, and, uh, you know, the 6.2 is no slouch.
1: That's a gr- That's a great, fun engine to drive. Still overhead valve, right? Small block Chevy revs great, great power. Ten speed automatic, and you can supercharge it. What well, you I don't even know if you need to, right? I mean, it's it doesn't have the quirky characteristics of the the turbo V6. It doesn't have the TRX overwhelming like brute force. It's going to be in that really nice sweet spot with a really linear power delivery. I really can't wait to drive it because I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot better than maybe the spec sheet says. Like I think when you look at this truck, you mm. go, okay, it's not quite. TRX, and Raptor, right? But it is Tremor and TRD Pro. It's It sits in that that echelon of, of off-roading. So it's the top-of-the-line off-roader for the everyday guy. It's not the super trucks, right? There's two trucks that live in the super truck category. This is that upper echelon of off-road trucks that you can buy off the, the showroom floor. This might be the most fun to drive out of all of
0: them. Do we know price-wise what ZR2 is coming in?
1: No, at? they haven't announced price. They literally just announced the Silverado last week. So. Okay, okay.
4: I think the balance we've got between how we've tuned the suspension, the DSSVs, the six point two liter, which as you said is a great engine, all of that combined together is producing an absolutely fantastic Silverado ZR2, both the production version as well as Chad's race truck.
1: It's funny because I think that uh, Chad's racetrack, both the Colorado ZR2 uh, and the Silverado ZR2, have an unblemished record of finishing races, um, just to show. The reliability of the platform because they're based on the production trucks, and that's a that's a hard place to be. Um, you know, in order to you're out best in the desert and you're racing to to have that type of reliability where you finish every race, this says a lot about the engineering of the uh, foundational platforms and the production truck themselves.
4: Yeah, and I mean that's really an important point, right? We race that Colorado ZR2 and the Silverado ZR2 in the pure stock production class. So that's absolutely used as, you know, development and validation opportunities for our engineering team to take back learnings. And just the fact that these trucks not just survive the race, but excel in the race and the pure production, um, the stock production class really should give all of our customers confidence in what we're putting out there. This is true, authentic off-roading.
1: Well, uh, back in the days when they were with the Hummer brand, I remember working with the hummer engineers and they would literally literally take a part off the race truck and bring it back to the production line and make some changes because of things they found on the race truck have you had sure. situations like that where you guys said hey it would be better if we shaped this this way or made this part this way for the production truck as well
4: absolutely we we had that conversation just a few months ago as we were looking at some very extreme um off-roading and you know our rockers and how they're formed and what protection we have and Um, The exhaust, one great example, we took our trucks to Moab and we did some off-roading in Moab. And we discovered that, you know, as much as we love that look of that dual exhaust, it's a relatively low hanging. And when you talk about, you know, getting the right departure angle for these trucks, for them to do the extreme off-roading.
0: So I'm glad that they found that because um, have you seen the thing that's been going around for quite some time where the guys talk about the HDMI ports on the back of the truck? Uh Oh, yeah. When you look at some of the Silverados... And the shape of the the chrome, the, the stainless steel tips, they're HDMI ports. Oh, on the exhaust. The exhaust port. Yeah. They, they look like giant HDMI ports on the back well, of the, on the exhaust. I
1: never liked them anyway because they're not authentic. Yeah. On a Ram, the exhaust sticking through the back- Is real. Is the real. That's the exhaust it's pipe. It's welded.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah.
1: It's, it's the tip of the exhaust pipe. On the Chevys, it's a round tube goes through a- just a jo- a, designed, hole. a yeah. designed hole on the bumper.
0: I mean, a lot a lot of cars and trucks do that.
1: That's but not right, though. It's disingenuous. So it is disingenuous. So yeah. I'd rather have a full bumper that doesn't have exhaust hanging down. And if you look at our uh, pictures we have uh, at MotorTrend.com and on four-wheeler, you can see where the tips end above the rear bumper. Like, they curve and they just get lopped off. Gotcha. It's, it's,
0: it's... So what I think a lot of people don't realize is that your exhaust system from the headers... All the, with an the exhaust manifold, yeah. all the way to the tip of the truck can grow up to two inches. E- just every, easy, uh, easy. No, I'm not going there. Easy. I'm just saying, but that legitimately. Okay. And, and it's why if you look under your truck, you'll see that they have the rubber hangers. And in the normal cold position when you're, you are get under there you know, in the morning, yep. they are leaned back like your chair, your right. seat, right? But then after a full day of driving, they're either straight up and down. Are the saying things cases, stretch with heat? I just thought it would be interesting if they got under there and they w- look at the rubber and they can see how the rubber's moved over the course of the day of driving. It'll be fat. They're like, oh, I can go ahead. Lightning was right. No, I'm letting you do yours here. No, I'm, I'm done. I just I'm gave done. you no, a you, bell. No, I'm deflated. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> he may be deflated. It has nothing to do with me this time.
4: <laughs> the most sense was to really take that exhaust, tuck it up under the bumper, get it out of the way, enhance your departure angle, uh, which is something that a real off road enthusiast is going to care about. This is not, we're not designing a truck that looks great aesthetically, but can't actually get the job done. So we're taking the trucks to Moab, of course, to Saguaro Trail, of course, Best in the Desert, and we are absolutely bringing those learning, learnings back and, and making modifications.
1: Some of the co- cool things on the uh, ZR2 uh, beyond the front and rear lockers, the tire upgrade, uh, full skid plating, full skid, uh, full uh, tow hooks, front and rear. You also have the tucked-up exhaust that you're talking about. The front bumper is really novel because you can actually take the wings off the corners mm-hmm. and give yourself a better approach angle. Wait, what? Stop! Is that legit? You can? Yeah, you can unbolt the corners of the bumper to give I yourself better... I mean, we've seen reason. that in G products, things yeah. like that. Wow. Yeah.
0: I did not know that they're doing that in the, uh, the ZR2. You should have been listening uh, last episode. I don't listen to you. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said you should have been. <laughs> Love, love, love the uh, application of what I like to call the Flow Tie logo on the grill or uh, the Chef Flow Lay. Uh. That's
0: right. I, I threw in there. I mixed it in. Chef Flow Lay.
1: Ain't
3: dead. <laughs> yeah,
0: buddy. Yeah, buddy. You can't have the Chef Flow Lay and the Flow Tie and then give yourself a yeah, buddy. Yeah,
1: I can. Actually, Flo Tie is there. I think they actually called the Flow Tie. Do they really? For me, it's Chef Floley though. We coined that on this show. I dropped it. All right. Watch I'll next let it press go. release. It's going <laughs> to be in there. Truck Show Podcast. Chef lay. Chef Floley. You got to say it all like this.
0: What's up, baby. Chef Yeah. No, no, don't follow with a yeah. It's just. yeah. you go. Let me try it. Very light. Yeah. Very light. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. Hey, babe. Chevrolet. How's was that? That's good. That was solid. Yeah, right? Hold yeah. on. One more time. One more time. Right, you, yeah. all all right, me, right. Let me turn my mic down and give you some more bass. Okay.
1: Ready? Hey, what's happening? You know what I got for you? <laughs> where did the, where where the Chicago come on, from? I'm sorry. Okay. Hey, you know what I
0: got for you? I got you some Chevrolet. No, that sounds like Chef Lolet. Like 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 it's like a cook. Oh, no. you think
1: it's like a ravioli? Yeah. With chef like L'O-L-A. orange sauce that'll yeah, stain it's everything. It's
0: no, you gotta say it like
1: chef <laughs> lay. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to say it like anything. <laughs> I'm moving right along. That's all right. And then I also love, 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 love the uh application of what I like to call the flow tie logo on the grill or uh, the Chev F- flow uh, logo, where the bow tie is hollow in the center for airflow. I think it looks really cool on the zero two.
4: Yeah, we like it too. it's it's really cool. It's the same size as our regular bow tie, but it's got that flow through. Um, it looks super she did cool. not give you it credit. Super cool. Nope. And yeah, the <sighs> the three piece bumper with the removable end caps, I mean, the bumper itself, first of all, is a high approach steel bumper. So that helps with your approach angle right there. But then yeah, with the removable end caps, especially if you're coming at, you know, doing some really technical rock crawling and you're coming at it from an angle, it just gives you that much more clearance to get over the obstacles.
1: Now on the Colorado, there's what we like to call the angel mode where you can turn off all the nannies. And one of the great things about the Colorado, and I think one of the reasons for its popularity is it's one of those last vehicles where you can drive it at 10 tenths without the, the car taking over. Um, and it's a lot a lot of fun. I think in, in general, we, we've talked about this on the show before, I think that the truck market, especially the off-road market, is doing well because you can't drive today's cars at 10 tenths on the street. Um, the last place to really be able to enjoy a modern vehicle at their full potential is off-road. And to be able to turn off all the nannies and things like that on the Colorado, it just makes it an exceptionally fun driver's car. Is there a similar type setting or mode on the ZR2 Silverado where you can you know, either turn off or dial back the uh, the nannies so that you can have a little bit more fun, uh, hang the tail out and, and do some goofy things off-road?
4: Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's funny you ask that. Um, Steve Metcalf, I don't know if you've, you've met Steve. He's one of our engineers, yeah. here, a control engineer. And uh, he, uh, he has developed what he likes to call fun mode. I'm going to tell <laughs> you, our Chevy uh, communications and PR team is probably going to make us change that name.
1: Yeah, right, I'm sure.
4: <laughs> I like to call it fun mode. And um, yeah, he took me out on the grounds just about a month ago and was demonstrating it for me how you can turn everything off. And it's done in such a way that if you really get out of control, I mean, if you truly are about to go into a spin, it can catch you. Um, I'd love next time you're in Milford, and I know we get to see you from time to time and get you out to whether it's our proven grounds in Milford or our desert grounds out in Yuma, we'll get you hooked up with Steve and, and we'll play with that with you. It's really fun.
1: Yeah, I'd love to go back out there. I think today, uh, I'm still... Pause for one second. The... Of... Um, yes.
0: So the nanny that she's talking about, you can you can turn off all the nannies, but then it, it does override at the very last minute. Are you for or against that um, super nanny?
1: Um, I, I think I would be for it, I guess. I just, as long as it's an emergency threshold that's like, you're going to roll, so we'll save you from yourself. As long as it doesn't come in before then, it doesn't ruin the fun... Like the most aggressive is probably Toyota. And the least aggressive is probably, you know, TRX or Raptor in Baja mode with things turned off. And Colorado. Colorado with everything turned off is a freaking riot to drive. If the ZR2 Silverado is anything like that, it's, it's, it will leave you alone all the way to the edge.
0: Got it. That's what I wanted to hear.
1: Yeah, I'd love to go back out there. I think today I'm still either the only or one of the only journalists who has driven both a development vehicle... And a production vehicle on Suaro, which is your uh, your trail out in the Yuma Proving Grounds. The most fun you can have is with engineers testing things before they're ready for prime time and having a say in what the final product is. And I I think that's a unique experience that a lot of people don't have a chance to partake in.
4: Yeah, you know what? We're happy to. And honestly, I see it continuing. It's really enjoyable to have someone out that, first of all, understands trucks. Um, has a passion for trucks, can kind of speak the engineering language, particularly because our engineers get excited to talk to you guys. And to be able to speak that engineering, speak with them and that truck speak with them uh, is really is great for them. And I mean, candidly, you have great feedback when we do have you out. So I don't see that ending anytime soon, Sean.
1: I appreciate that. And uh, I look forward to the next time we can get out there. I wanted to talk about drivetrains. Um, one of the really Great highlights is the 2.7 liter uh four cylinder turbo. And I know when you guys came out with that in the current generation truck, there was a lot of people like, Oh, really? A four cylinder turbo, but it's turned out to be a, a pretty great little engine. And now for 2022, you guys have added was it 20 more torque now? It's at 420 pound feet. That as that, that. I mean, that's an incredible bump. You guys must have determine through you know warranty and ownership feedback that the engine can take it that it's a reliable platform and you're willing to give the customer more maybe
0: i want her to just say no no we just use nos we just spray nitrous Do you think she <laughs> says the term we've just used nos nos ever yeah ever before in her life no she says it in the vin diesel i need nos, I no- need nos. nobody needs nos dude <laughs> You definitely don't need Nos. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, used uh, to drink Nos. Are you aware? That, no, Nos is gross. It is gross. Unless they sponsor the show, and then it's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, um, Best ever. Do you know that we're putting uh, nitrous oxide in the uh, in the Lockjaw? Maybe talk about that for a moment.
4: <laughs> yeah, actually, the the two point seven liter turbo project, believe it or not, didn't start out as this. Let's go get more torque. It actually started out because we wanted to improve the structural engine noise. Um, and it is a great little engine. I completely agree with you, but we're always lifting the bar. We always want to go further. And we decided as an engineering team, we've got some enhancement opportunities when it comes to engine noise on the two seven. And so we dug into that and in digging into that we strengthened the block, we strengthened the crank. And then we said to your point, looking at just the durability data and the feedback from the field this engine hasn't been pushed to the limit. It has more to give, particularly with that block and crank now strengthened. And with a couple other small changes like strengthening of the pistons, we had an opportunity to take torque further. And really we took torque further through recalibration, mainly increasing the boost, et cetera, uh, because we had done all of that structural change in order to get the NNV where we wanted it. So it was kind of a win-win. A lot of times you talk about, hey, we're gonna go after noise um, with a particular engine, and you start talking about trade-offs with torque or trade-offs with horsepower, in this case, it's an and equation, right? We went and got the noise exactly where we want it. It sounds great. And hey, let's give you 20% more torque while we're at it.
1: So I believe the power output on it is 310, 420 now. That's that's pretty great that's right. for a daily driver, especially for you know an air hauler. If somebody's commuting, it's just a really nice nice mix of you know everyday use the occasional capability for for towing and things like that that you need but then you know also fuel efficiency it's just it seems like it's the sweet spot um speaking of towing you guys have have taken the three liter diesel and you've upped towing capacity did i read right four thousand pounds
4: we did yeah we did you might be aware of the max towing package that we have um on on most of our trucks it's really a chassis package to be honest But it's a chassis package we didn't have on the 3-liter diesel when it first came out. So we didn't actually make any changes to the diesel itself, but we made changes to the underhood thermal management and some of the suspension components to enable us to get to max and Rear Gower went up, et cetera.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. So I wonder if most people know that information, right? They hear 4,000 pounds, but they didn't realize, unless you're a diesel owner or you went to purchase one, that the max tow was never available on the previous generation diesel, which seems like such a... uh, you know, short sightedness. Yeah, yeah, wasted opportunity. And so they've corrected that. And again, it's the diesel's the same, but they they you know did all the things around it, thermal management and chassis improvements and things like that. So um, I think that's a huge win well, for somebody who wants to tow at the halftime. I
0: mean, we're, so one of the questions that came up a lot a lot because we're like at, at work, my day job, we do a lot of Duramax stuff. And for the 17 to 19 Duramax which was called the L5P. Um, they were doing 445 horse. Uh, nine something a pound feet of torque, then the twenty comes out, and it goes up to it goes up to it goes up.
1: Still an L five P though, right? It's still
0: an L five P, right? But it goes up uh, just beneath a thousand pound feet of torque, or whatever. And guys, are like, hey, what'd you do to the engine? And I'm like, it's thermal management. So the engine itself is the same, same pistons, yep. same rods, same yep. same heads. Everything is the same there, but the cooling package. Got bigger. Yeah. The fan physically got, lo- it's like yeah. 22 inches so it looks like the in propeller diameter on a Cessna. It's ridiculous. So, well, it's not ridiculous. It actually does work very effectively. And t- to that extent, you can push that engine farther right. with no consequence because you're keeping it in its sweet spot uh, temperature wise. So they don't underestimate thermal management, but it wasn't easy. I mean, they, again, the oil cooling, the oil cooler got better in 2020, the trans cooler, everything got beefier. Everything got like the copper plates in the oil cooler, like 30% larger, you know, it just, everything got cooler. The engine's not working hard so they can push it. The, uh, I guess the elephant in the room right now is really the chip shortage and how you guys
1: have been impacted. And I know that, you're waiting for. This may not be chip related because it. Might, I think it's a supplier issue, but you guys have paused on um, uh, production of the diesel for a little while for some supply to get back. But also the rest of the lineup. How does that impact the 22 plans? Knowing that you have to plan for this chip shortage or supplier issues that are still ongoing in the industry, um, because it hasn't been a very uh, a very fun ride for any truck manufacturers, and and you guys are no exception in that in that pool.
4: Yeah, I mean, so true, right? You know, it's so fluid. It's, it's so tough to answer. What I can tell you right now is, as we sit here today, I don't expect the chip shortage to impact our launch plans for the 22 Silverado at all. Um, but it's fluid and it could change. I will say, and I firmly believe this, we've got the best in the industry when it comes to our supply chain team, when it comes to our engineering team, when it comes to our supply base. And we've been doing some really inventive um, and just great work together to keep our truck plants going. Uh, I think we've done an exceptional job keeping truck production going. Um, We plan to keep doing everything we can. Will, Will it absolutely have zero effect? I can't sit here today and say that, but our plan is to continue on as scheduled.
1: I mean, think about that. What goes into building a modern vehicle? supply chain, buyers, logistics, getting things to the plan on time, the employees that you have to retain by keeping
0: them working. I mean, all, it's just amazing. How many parts do you think is in a silver? Oil? I should well, have asked her that. You, you should have. The, some of the things that I think about, and, I, and I'm sure that my customers and, and your readers think about and listeners, is that we go and buy a new truck, a new Sierra Denali, right? It's $80,000. And you look at the truck and you go- That's light. I, I, okay, sure, it's light. Let's say fully loaded, hundred grand, whatever it is. You just that's heavy. <laughs> okay, God, come on. <laughs> My point is that you go: Is this truck worth this money? And it, uh, the actual metal and plastic? No, no, it's no. not. But what you're paying is all everything that went well R and D and all that, right? Yeah, look. everything <laughs> is being amortized yeah. in that, in, including. Yes. Yeah. Including pensions for guys that haven't worked at GM yeah. in thirty years. Right, well, and that's no different
1: for any of the manufacturers. I think. But I'm but I'm saying like yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's more than. It's greater than the sum of its parts. That's exactly you right. You could build that truck for maybe forty grand, but a the market will bear eighty grand because people want it, it's in demand. But you'd never and pay you,
0: off R and D if you no. If you charge well, 40 that's, grand. I'm just
1: I'm only saying if you just had all the parts laying there, like right. the, the raw cost, you could build that truck. Uh, And they're profitable, so they're going to spend all that money and put all that effort into building them because they make good money off of them. Um, It's a lucrative business if you have the scale. I usually like to uh, ask our uh, executives who come on one last question, and that's if there is one thing that you're most proud about the vehicle or one thing you want consumers to know, um, what would you tell them? Because this is a perfect opportunity to talk to your potential customers and say, hey, this this is what you should know about this new truck.
4: Well, I mean, I guess if I'm talking to my customers, I want them to know we're listening to them. We're we're listening to all of their feedback, and we're continuing to give them what they want, and hopefully a little bit more than what they think they want. So, you know, you want a great interior? I gotcha, and and I'll do you one better, and I'll give you open four wood on a high country, and soft wrapped uppers, and a 13 and a half inch diagonal touchscreen. You want off roading? I got a great trail boss but i'll do you one better i'll take you to a zr2 with multi-matic dssvs and 33 inch tires and just superb off-road performance in a truck that by the way is also fantastic on road and it's a truck that you can drive to the trail you don't have to trailer it there you can drive it there with great on-road comfort you know active transfer case and you get there and then you've got fantastic you know off-road performance Um, you know, I, I think it's just really a matter of listening to what the customer wants and giving him or her that plus a little bit more.
1: Well, that's uh, awesome. I really appreciate you carving out the time. I know you're busy today. We sort of had to find a little hole in your schedule to uh, to make this happen. Again, congratulations and really appreciate you uh, carving out the time for us.
4: Yeah, anytime, Sean. Thanks so All right. much.
1: All right. Thanks, Jacqueline. We'll talk to you soon.
4: Take care. Now. Bye-bye.
0: Just saying. Another hard-hitting from a man, Sean Holman, right here, Truck Show Podcast. Where do you hear, where can you hear the executives from the OEs? Where can you hear from um, entrepreneurs that just created your favorite new bolt-on product for your truck? Where can you hear from guys that started with nothing and turned into something? Right here. I, I'm, I'm proud of this show, dude. Like, this is one of those moments where, I'm. you know— I realize that a lot of the executives come on and say some of the same things, you know. Yeah. They they, they tow the company line, but sure. but you 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 what you do is you can spot some some real coming through. You know, they they truly are proud, right? They go they wake up every day just like we do. They take a shower. They're like, oh, it's Groundhog's Day. I got to go to work again. But when they get there, like I'm making something cool, and and I think that comes through.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you realize that uh, humanizes these big corporations. And it shows you, you know, to Jacqueline's point at the end, I loved her answer. No executives ever answered that way. Hey, you wanted this, we gave it to you, and then we gave you more. Hey, you wanted this, we gave that to you too, and then we gave you more. Well, they're trying to future-proof, right? Well, they're but, like... but they're trying to make their customer happy. Right. And my, my point is, you may feel like you're screaming into the ether, right? And nobody's listening, and there's people who their job at GM is to figure out what you want as a truck buyer, and then go implement it and figure out how to do it. And when you're Jacqueline McQuaid and you're the executive chief engineer, you're overseeing all the other engineers and you're making sure that this is the best damn truck coming to market that's possible. And there's a lot of master's uh, that you're serving in order to uh, make it right. So
0: that'd be a that'd be a fun job, but also I bet there's a lot stressful. of heartache. No, no, not her job. Oh. the job of um, interfacing with customers. The oh, yeah, product planner, product planner. Yeah. So you're going, you're getting, and the and the customer wants A, B, C, and D. Yeah. And then you go to you go you go to Jacqueline and you say the customers demand A, B, C, and D, and she goes. We can give you A, C, and F. Well, it's like and they're the, like, well, yeah. "Well, F wasn't on there." Right, right. Like, well, that's what it's you're like getting.
1: the old adage, right? You can have anything you want, you just can't have everything you want. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what it's it is, true. right? Yeah, that's true. Um, what do you say we get into some news? I said, "What do you say we get into some news?" What's
0: new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Yahoo! Uh, oh, it's not Yahoo? No, but I didn't mind it. Okay. I didn't I mind
1: it. I thought it worked. Okay. that's uh, so fine with it. Hey, uh, Lightning, did you hear? No! No, I did not. Uh, the Australian Market Ranger has been teased. Uh, it's the new global T6 platform, which is also the platform that underpins the new Bronco. So, Oh, is this the Braptor? Uh, nope. This is... that's. Coming also. Okay. Uh, We have confirmed that the Bronco Raptor will not be called the Warthog, but will be called the Bronco Raptor. But that's different. Same platform. Ranger coming also. Okay. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. No, I did not. Gladiator now available with pricey factory half doors. Really? earlier this year, uh, remember we talked about Jeep introducing the factory half door option on the Wrangler, Mm -hmm. Um, and now it's called the dual door group. And you may have remembered at the time that a four-door Wrangler was uh, $4,395 for a new set of doors. Right. Half doors, color matched, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the Gladiator, um,
0: let me guess. Okay. The, the Gladiator's a little more expensive. Okay. So it's commensurate to the, the overall price. So that means this is going to be for four doors, fifty, uh, 50 5400 four hundred. Fifty Yeah, I'm, I'm going with 5400 all right, so because the Gladiator is only available four doors,
1: the pricing, um, <laughs> well, it's a few bucks more than the uh, the huh. Wrangler
0: four-door. Okay, can, can I have a second guess? Uh, no.
1: Oh. Order the dual group on the Gladiator with the base upper windows. So that's the vinyl that may, uh, that matches the uh, base uh, vinyl top. It'll run you forty five ninety. Step up to the dual door group with the premium upper window, which has the acrylic woven material that's on the uh, premium soft top Jeeps. And you'll need $4,990. That's uh, 595 more than the Wrangler. I'm not sure why they're more expensive since the
0: same doors, but- uh, Because dang. the radiator's more expensive. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I uh, mean, look, dude. The Escalade and the Tahoe are the same truck. But you buy anything for the Escalade and you're going to pay 30% more. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, they're cool looking, though. Looks badass with half doors. I'm going to tell you that right now. Hey, Lightning, did you hear- how
1: about new? I did not. Ford uh, announced uh, the F-150 Lightning pre-production has started.
0: Man, there has not been this much buzz around a truck since the Bronco the was Rivian announced. R1T. I don't think the so. The Tesla Cybertruck. Mm, Tesla, yes. Not the Rivian. The, the Rivian is Ram not- The Ram TRX. Nope. The nope. Nissan Frontier. I'm telling you, the Ford Lightning- was not expected to blow everyone away, and yet did. We'll see. These are the- uh, Well, I'm the just production. saying, I, yeah, I, we don't know how when it finally hits the streets, and of course it, we don't know, it, but- I know Ford upped their production goals because enough
1: people are hand raisers that made them go, oh, okay, we should probably do something here. Right. Um, they invested an additional $250 million to increase annual production. <laughs> so they're, they're, uh, they're bullish on it for sure. Uh, says they've received more than 150,000 reservations for just the Lightning so far. And, of course, the unexpectedly strong demand exceeded Ford's expectations, but they want to become a leader in the EV space. Um, Still on track to be delivered spring of 22. These are the pre-production vehicles for all the testing and things like that. And it's interesting, Ford is showing kind of, you know, behind the curtain a little bit, showing you the pre-production stuff being built. And the announcement that the uh, new production facility, the Rouge Electric Vehicle Center in Dearborn, they normally wouldn't announce a non-production vehicle coming off the line, but they added 450 jobs uh, in Michigan, and uh, right now they think they can produce around 80,000 lightnings a year. Holy mackerel! Which is at least 79,999 more
0: lightnings than the world needs. That's for damn sure. Are you jealous a little bit that there's gonna be lots of lightnings out there? Uh, no. I think no. Not really. It's fine. I mean, there's always been a truck out there named Lightning, so right. whatever.
1: Uh, just to recap, the battery electric Ford F 150 Lightning will start at 41,669. Get an EPA estimated 300 miles of range with the extended battery pack. Tow up to 10,000 pounds with a maximum payload of 2,000 pounds.
0: I am looking forward to the day when they have a uh, an electrified Raptor, because that's coming. Hmm. I'm not saying it's going to be around the corner. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that at all.
1: But uh, speaking of Raptor, did you see there's that dealer that marked up uh, 2021 Raptor
0: uh, fifty thousand dollars? Marked it up fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand, and that's so, not the V8 so one. That's what, just the like, new 37. What, what were they asking for? What's the sticker? One twenty seven. One
1: hundred thirty three thousand. One thirty three. <laughs> you have gotta be! I mean, come freaking, on, guys, don't. No! There are so many dealers out there. We got to get Jackson on. There's so many dealers out there that are no markup dealers, that are MSRP dealers. Don't don't spend yeah. that kind what of money. What the hell money. is
4: wrong with you? Exactly. exactly. Don't
1: don't spend the money. Yeah. That's that's a that's a ridiculous mm. thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it just is. <sighs> just I just it makes me feel icky that people would spend that. Wait
0: a month. No, there are a lot of people that have to be first.
2: <sighs> there are a
0: lot of people that have just, to be first. Anyway, hey Lightning, did you hear? Yeah. Uh, 2023 Chevy
1: Silverado HD will uh, pack a bunch of lies, at least from what I've heard. There's a rumor going around. More. There's yes. a rumor going around the internet. Oh, is
0: this the horsepower that said uh, it will
1: rumor. be some like 500 horsepower, 1100 pound feet of torque, or some crazy rumor? And I can tell you that my sources say that that is incorrect, and there will not be a power adjustment on the
0: 2023. Wait a second, but and, are you? Well, hold on, a second. Pause. Okay, I saw this on all of the Duramax yeah, Facebook groups. You're right. It went around like within a day. They were like, oh, have you heard? I'm not going to buy the 22. I was thinking about, I'm going to hold on and and wait for the 23 because it's got more horsepower and torque. So you're saying they shouldn't wait because it ain't coming.
1: I'm saying if you're going to wait for the 23, wait because the interior is way better. Oh. Not because the power is different. Okay. And let's face it, the Duramax, all these trucks are so damn good. Don't wait because you get freaking 25 more horsepower. Like, stop. At some point, if you keep
0: waiting for it, you'll never get a truck. And you'll be truckless. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing about this is that we, I, you and I both deal with guys all the time who are all about the horsepower numbers I know. and yet have never put the pedal no, to the metal. They
1: have no idea what that has zero change. Because so, remember,
0: yeah. guys, it's rated at wide open throttle, W-O-T. Yeah, Th- yeah. That number that you're reading- It's torque managed, too. It's and, it not only torque managed. If they give it to you- it's right before you hit the EGT yeah, limiter. You right, know what I mean. Exactly. You are going to get it for eight seconds. Yeah, it might be a big. You might see to the pants like holy mackerel, but it's gone. It's fleeting.
1: Uh, uh, side note: uh, the mirrors, right
0: on the heavy duty. Yes, uh, y- you'd consider me a, a, a truck guy, right? Well, you are. You are a uh, a tow mirror snob, like many. Uh, I
1: saw a Chevy fifteen hundred with those tow mirrors on it, and it was icky. No. I was like, wait, that's the that's. The wrong. Uh, uh, I almost took a picture. It was in my neighborhood. If it's there tomorrow, I'm going to take a picture. I'll post it on Truck Show Podcast. But I didn't know you could get those tow mirrors on the heavy duty or on the light duty. So I don't know if this person bought the heavy duty mirrors to put them on the light duty, or if you can option them that way. But it was shocking
0: because I go, "Oh, look, there's one of the stupid mirrors, and I, yeah, it's not a heavy duty." Uh, and there's nothing to stop you from bolting on I mean, them. No, it's the same door. Yeah, same I mean, the Same door. Yeah. What drives the Ram or guys mountain, crazy? Anyway. The Ram guys go completely bonkers when you put the yeah, elephant mirrors up. up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 oh my god, yeah, I've been funny. with guys who are like, you're not doing your Put yeah. those down. I'm like, yeah, yeah. what? Wow, it's like what? A, like a lightning rant. Oh, speaking
1: of uh lightning rants, where this might be a Holman rant. Uh, I was at Adventure Off Road today, picking up some parts.
0: Wait, you were just there three I times I last week?
1: So I've been there all the time. Mike Rice and I are like, are you dating? Yes. Okay. Um, he was eating salad when I got there, and he says, I think this is uh, my wife packed me this because she thinks I'm fat. She doesn't want to tell me. Sorry, Mike Rice, for listening. Okay. Uh, Anyway, and uh, I noticed they have your uh, Reviver plates uh, as dealer plates on their vehicles now. So I will say this. Yep. I'm not okay with the plates still, but I get it for a dealer plate situation because you can easily change it as to which vehicle they would go on and stuff. So I think that's interesting use of it.
0: Admit you like
1: the looks. I hate them. I hate them. No way. I hate them. It looks like an Amazon Kindle e-ink hanging off the back of the car. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, you're- Admit you're lame.
0: Uh, sometimes I'm lame, but this is not one of those
1: times. Uh, yeah, I, just, I can't get behind that. Sorry, my friend. Mm, okay. All right. Um, how about this? Uh, have you heard? No. No, I've not. Apparently, the government has uh, engaged GM Defense to build a heavy duty suburban. And I think they're buying uh, 10 of them that have not
0: been developed yet for about $35 million. 10 of them for 35 <laughs> million dollars. Uh-huh. That's where your taxpayer money goes, guys. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, but those are ten the, Suburbans for that's 30, five that's million dollars. So, the first, so your runs. kids don't but
1: it's have development. Your you hold on, data hold data. on, before <laughs> you're ready because you were just talking about how the price includes R and D and development and all that stuff. So you can't crap on your own point.
0: Your school, your kids I mean, you are getting school lunches because they're no, buying they suburban. Ha- they have
1: government cheese and it's delicious. I'm just they put it between two pieces of white bread. <laughs> you're you're happening. Listen, uh, the, they could buy up to two hundred of these a year. Uh, GM Defense, which is our friends that invited us out for the ISV. That we got to go drive out in uh, North Carolina. Yep. Uh, the Infantry Squad vehicle, which is based on the Chevy Colorado. Yeah, I don't like them. Th- their whole <laughs> their whole deal is uh, consumer off-the-shelf parts, COTS, consumer off-the-shelf, and using those parts to build fast-tracking military vehicles. And so it looks like this heavy-duty Suburban, I don't know if it's going to be maybe used for – could it be Special Forces? Could it be – of our armor platform, could I, don't be? Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. Is, I feel
0: like this is a Secret Service vehicle. Is I, I what mean, it building. could be.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so what's what's interesting about it is they will be called GM Defense Suburbans. They will not be Chevy Suburbans. Hmm. Um, they'll have you. They'll apparently use a uh, special body on frame, new suspension, all that stuff to satisfy payload and all the requirements that and the government it, has. It's not even a suburban at that point. Uh, the body will be oh, okay. So anyway. Hmm. And they'll probably be on the heavy duty chassis. I just, I, I miss the old eight lug suburbans. Those are cool. I agree. When you could get them. Uh, I think the last time you could get an eight lug suburban was 2017. Do you remember the GMT? I think it was the GMT 900 eight lug Suburbans when you get the 8.1 in them. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: My me. neighbor has one right now. He's so rad. Forest Green. Oh, you should buy that. Uh, I tried. Buy that from him. A1, uh, eight lug. He passed uh, away uh, two weeks ago. Then you should buy it from his wife or his estate sale. I think I don't know what she's doing with it. And I felt so weird ask. that it is and other the interior's perfect. The outside is, you know, the, the clear coat starting to go hey, away. Whatever. Uh but we care about the truck and he took he took great care of it.
1: You should ask him and for that. That would that would put you back in the uh, truck range. It,
0: it would. I just it was weird. She's super nice and he was great. He was a wonderful guy. And I don't go, hey, can I have his truck? It's, that's no, a little you don't weird. say it
1: that way. You just say Hey, can I uh, help you out with some funeral expenses by <laughs> trading you for a truck? I'll give you yeah. some Benjamins. Leave her, uh, leave her just a shoebox of cash on the door and just move it across the street. Just say, for your truck. For your mm-hmm. truck. Just tell her if you want to park in my driveway, park anytime on Street Sweeper Day, just leave me the keys.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's a way for you to get the truck. I feel truck. like he had his opportunity. I hinted at it. We were, we were out there, you know. Did you B- piss him BS off so it? much he died? That's not cool. No, I did not. He he had issues. Oh, but um, that, that serious that's medical cool. issues. But he uh we were out there drinking a beer this, R. Is R. N- this is not long Lightings ago. Neighbor. Yeah, not, not not long ago, like only three, four months ago. And I was commenting how awesome the suburban and I thought for sure he's like, you know what, I'm thinking of selling it. i not but he didn't make that comment. So I mm. thought eh. See it hmm. might be going to a kid or something, that it you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> 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 so I mean, which kid? The oldest grandkid? The I, third one? I've never, I've never met his kids. I don't know. I, I've never seen a kid around his house, but I guess he has one. You know what's
1: going to happen? It'll make you so sad when the uh, Cars for Kids uh, tow truck pulls up and yanks it out of the
0: driveway. That'll suck. <laughs> it will suck. That'll suck. <laughs> That'll suck. <It's> super bad. Because <laughs> the Cars for Kids thing is bogus. <laughs>
1: In in your your opinion. opinion. In my opinion. In your opinion. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be sued in oblivion. All right. So uh, let's get out of news. And uh, why don't we uh, talk to our buddy
0: and adventurer, Billy Creech? Are you talking about Billy Mojave Desert Creech? Sure. All right. Go ahead and dial him. Billy Creech. Mr. William Creech. It's Lightning and Home and Truck Show Podcast. How many drinks
3: are you in? Um, three quarters of the way down, a really big one.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, is that like sixty-four ounce or thirty-two ounce? Uh, forty-four. Whoa, oh, it's a super tanker. <laughs> a super tanker
0: of of what? So if if,
1: if lightning's gonna call you William Creech, does that mean that you're drinking with your pinky finger uh, out?
3: Um, I guess I probably should. If I'm going to go, William, right? Why, it's hello, either, Sir either, William Creech. Well, right. before it's, we, it's uh, either that or my mother pissed off.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, good, good, good. Because before we uh, we made the the call, Holman and I were wondering if you would respond to William or you would be upset. And I'm I'm thinking, no, I bet you his mom calls him William.
3: No, my, so so I'm Billy to my friends that I've known forever, um, or friends that I'm tight with now. I'm Bill at work, and it's funny William. he's Dave
1: to all his ex girlfriends.
3: Very so, exactly. that's funny. <laughs> Right, you know, and then then William to, you know, my mother when she's angry or my old professors at Cornell.
1: Now, does anybody take your shortened first name and your long middle name and then yell at you when you're in trouble? Well, then he's a serial killer. William Billy Creech!
3: Yeah, he's a serial (laughs) killer (laughs) at that point. Oh, that's right. Now, my middle name is Shane, so, you know, the outlaw gunfighter, so. Oh, listen to that. Who knew? Billy Shane Creech? William Shane.
0: William Shane go. creature. No, I didn't know that anything about that gunfighter. What's the story?
3: Yeah, um, it was a movie in the '60s called Shane.
0: Don't you remember seeing that in the theater lighting? No, I'm not that old. <laughs> 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 Wasn't born yet, my friend. Uh-huh. I, I see where so you're going. My, <laughs> didn't, right. didn't work. My mother,
3: my mother liked it. You know, he was a he was not a gunfighter with a good heart. And at the end of the movie, he's he's going off, and this little blonde headed boy is crying after him, screaming out, Shane. So my mom, when I was born, was like, she loved that moment in the movie, so I got Shane.
0: I wonder how many people we know, Holman, that have been named after movie characters. Oh, a lot. Yeah? A lot. Yeah, For sure. <laughs> yeah.
3: Lightning? Come on. Isn't that like a Pixar movie? <laughs> Me,
0: uh No, mine was after... Oh, you can appreciate this. Well, I don't know how old you are, Billy. Um, it was named... I, Lightning after... The, one of the characters in Amos and Andy, that's a series in the 50s and 60s. Actually, 50s. Uh, black and white television.
3: I was going to say, I'm not that old. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, oh. Right, wow. exactly. Wow. Wow. Wow.
0: Holman, Holman, how do you know that? Uh, I know things. <laughs> You've seen Amos and Andy? Yeah, of course. We've seen. Yeah, of course. What do you mean? You can, a lot of our listeners are going, I don't know what you're saying right now. Amos and Andy. It's classic. I classic.
1: Like, I love classic American television. Gosh, you know, I was watching the other day that I, I forgot how good it was. Bonanza. Bonanza was, dude, that was on for like 15 years. Yeah,
0: Amos and Andy could not come back around because it would be so racist. Oh,
3: there's so many things that couldn't come back around anymore. Some of us watched Bonanza in real time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> you and lightning yeah well lightning lightning was a, a a janitor that was on this in this apartment building and he was very very slow so the tenants called him lightning you know hey what's going on lightning oh, i'm just moving at my own pace you know and uh uh-huh. and that's how i got my, my name. right because you move glitch- glacially, glacially? Yes. yes yeah yeah <laughs> So
1: uh, we've got adventure <sighs> Billy Creech back on, but before we uh, get into it, we should probably play him some ridiculous jingle.
0: Sure. Let's do it. Pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and share a, a story. story. Pull up a stool and- why don't you pull up a stool and share with us? So it's not the most ridiculous that we. have. No, not not even close. That was tame. That was all right. That's like a got three on the scale, of one to yeah, ten. Yeah, that one's almost legitimate. Closed. Almost yeah. okay. All right, almost, almost. So we got Billy coming back.
1: Um, a few things have happened. Last time we came on, we talked about uh, survival. And uh, ha- yes. has
0: Billy been on the show more than anyone? Um well, I think, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's been like, on more. This is his third time. This is, my but third it's not time, the man. most. Okay, because we've had Finnegan on at least three times. Four. Four, okay. I'm pretty sure Finnegan's four. Uh, we've had Peter Tritey from Simon. we two had, or three we've times. We've had Emmy. Yeah. She's been on several times. Gail's been on three or four times. Gail's been on a bunch of times. Okay. Yeah. Oh, just, no, he, he's in the
1: upper echelon.
3: He's a okay. top that, tier that, player. That sounds like. This sounds like a
0: challenge. Yeah, well, I mean, right. you know, as long
1: as you keep bringing in cool stuff, you're in good company, is what right. I'm saying. All right, so right. there's a couple of things going on. Uh, last time Billy came on, he kind of talked about uh, you know being smart in the uh, in the backcountry. Uh, he's ha- come on before talking about uh, Dennis K. Spear, the Mojave Desert Historical Cultural Association, and the Mojave Road, which is if you're an overlander, you know of the Mojave Road. We've talked about the Mojave, the Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail, and so um, Dennis, we as we discussed a while back, passed away. And Billy ended up getting on the board of directors for the uh, Mojave Desert Historical Cultural Association. Did not know that. And they're throwing their big yearly bash uh, this year in October. So we'll talk about that. But there's going to be a tribute to Dennis there. So for anybody who loves that part of the desert, uh, we'll talk about that. And then also major updates uh, happening on sort of the direction of the Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail as a legitimate uh, trail system in the basically Southern California uh, and, and parts of uh, Western Nevada that is endorsed by the government agencies that oversee the public lands, which is a huge thing. So, Billy, where do you want to start?
3: Um, I want to start where we were kind of right before the intro, which is the cocktail, because every time <laughs> on, I was I was the first guy with the gin and tonic, and then we had this outrageous margarita, and now we're having... It's, it's the standard drink is called a Kilimanjaro, right? That sounds dangerous. But, but, uh, the way I do it, I kind of, I kind of increase the ratios a little bit. And so I just refer to it as elephant tranquilizer. But, uh, (laughs) so, so if you're, if you're right, it's proper exploration cocktail.
1: Will it kill um, so worms on the trail or cholera or anything for, like that?
3: <laughs> it'll make you not care. Okay, well, that's the same. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just so for the listeners, right? A cool drink. It, and I usually will take one for hanging out in camp at night or whatever and just, you know, pre mix it in a Gatorade bottle and a genotonic in a Gatorade bottle and have them for on the trail in the fridge. But uh, at night, when. By fridge, he means front cup truck, holder. The front, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> cup holder? Yeah. No, 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 no. Don't do that. But, uh, he's off the road it doesn't matter have you guys on the road have you have you ever like googled or youtubed um like drunk elephants um i'm doing that as we speak actually right so now is that a euphemism
0: for for holman and i no because i feel like that's our other podcast drunk elephants do it
3: watch it right it's it's marula fruit in in africa it's a fruit on a tree and when it drops and ferments, and, and the elephants and giraffes and animals eat it, and then it, it ferments in their stomachs, and it's it's a really good video. But there's a liqueur, amarula that's made from this fruit. And I, I've and had so, that
1: in Africa, right. and it is unbelievably right. good. Were you right. drunk so, off of it? Oh, you can easily get drunk off of it. Were you awesome awesome drunk off it. of it? I mean, it was 15 years ago. I don't remember, probably. Okay.
3: Well, if he doesn't remember, then the answer is yes. <laughs> The way I do it is is a shot of, of triple sec, two shots of vodka, three shots of amarula, and then over ice with uh, orange juice, and then mix it up. Yeah,
1: and if you can find the bottle, so, it's not that expensive. You can find it's like twenty bucks for a bottle. Uh, it has an yeah. elephant on the uh, on the label, but it's really right. good stuff. It's it's uh, yeah. it's funky
0: first we're yeah, all about talking you know we do a lot of food talk here it's yeah. like food now we into okay. spirits and now we're into spirits you know what I had right. re-
1: recently that I thought was really good I was kidding uh, I didn't expect you to rabbit continue. hole rye oh dude so good and then uh, I've had a chance to sample uh, uh boss hog samurai and Magellan which are I both awesome that. oh dude I saw
3: I saw your post on that hundreds you're, of you're dollars for a, high for a shot You've got like a nice crystal glass with a big fat cigar, and yeah. you're like sitting there with your hat on, with the brim tucked tucked up. Looking yeah. Like, so you know, this Rocky, must have been Rocky at Rocky Six,
0: at, at where at hot rods and handguns.
1: Probably, yeah. We we drink good stuff there, man. I, I hang out with some guys that are Great. super generous, and there'll be a you know a five thousand dollar bottle of bourbon will come out, and the guy who is like, oh, everybody's drinking from this tonight. And it's like really waste that on me, and then you're going, oh, this is really good. <laughs> So, uh, that, that stuff's, that stuff's awesome. Um, and then that, uh, so the next, as I say, that whistle pig, uh, what is it? Road trip or road, whatever. Oh dude. If you guys like a, uh, a good, uh, a good rye, that one's really good too. That one is exceptional.
3: So the, uh, next time I come on, I will, we will talk, we will talk Shackleton's.
0: All right. I don't know what you just said. Talk what?
3: Cause there's really there's a really good backstory to the Shackletons with
0: Shackleton all right I that's like a that. brand Shackleton, name or a, a right? style uh
3: it, it's it's named after a very famous explorer who was one of the first guys to try to make it to the South Pole but again I a brand or it a brand. style it's, it's a okay. It's brand okay no no it's not a brand so so oh, it's not a brand it was it, no it was it was it's called Shackleton's whiskey because it was a special blend for the 1906 British Antarctica expedition. And uh, they, these guys, so the story of it is they, they, when they left um, some other guys were doing some history, historical research, and they kind of came to the conclusion that one of their provisions were these cases of this special blended Scotch whiskey that was made specifically and labeled specifically for this expedition. Um, And they, when they did the inventory of what these guys consumed versus what they took versus what they brought back, they were like, they left some whiskey there, we think. So they got permission to go down to Antarctica and do this expedition to find out. And so they went under the floorboards of the of the the shelter that they built, right? It's like a call it a shack, but a house and um research station. And they opened up the floorboards and they dug into the ice and they found, a case of this stuff still down there of these, this whiskey. And they were, they got permission to remove a bottle because anything in Antarctica, you, you cannot remove. You have to, if you take it out, right. They had to get permission to take it out, but they also had to do another expedition to bring it back and put it back. But they successfully got some bottles of this stuff, took it to a lab needle through the cork and pulled it out. The stuff was still great. They went to the original maker of it and they reblended it and kept and made a special run of bottles of this stuff. You know, a hundred years later. And uh, so I have a I have a limited edition bottle of that. And then later, you know, so that came packaged in the wood crate with yeah. the straw. Is that the uh, McKinley the Shackleton
1: Discovery Edition?
3: Yeah, the McKinley's. Yeah,
1: two thousand dollars for that bottle right now. Ouch. So so I'm looking at
3: it right now. And um, but, all right. But when are we going to go just, meet up on the
1: trail to drink some?
3: Just so you know, uh-huh. they decided to because of the popularity of it. They did; they're now doing a regular run, and you can buy it for like seventy bucks. Um, uh, it's total Whitemore has
1: it for like thirty six.
3: Okay, yeah. So it's it's not labeled, a common man. Way. It's not it's not packaged the same way, but it's yeah. the same blend. And so hmm. I actually took a bottle of that um, to uh, my last trip, and some buddies and I. Uh, Took some, took some drinks of it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll bring it with me to uh, Rendezvous.
1: All right. I like that. So, speaking of Rendezvous, why don't you uh, tell the listeners, especially those who are in the uh, southwest of the U.S. Uh, why
0: don't you well, t- how about, about start with the guy who's across from you yeah. over here? Yeah. This guy has no idea what
3: you're talking about. Right. Because Billy's going to tell you right okay. now. All right. Do that. I'm going to tell you right now. So, Dennis Casebeer, who we've talked about before, right? Mojave Road, EMHT. He founded the Mojave, Mojave Desert Heritage and Cultural Association um he was also a historian so he has this site had um it's now the mdhcas but there was a schoolhouse built in the early 1900s and it was had fallen into disrepair in the 80s and he bought it and all the property around it and turned it into a museum and there's archives and all this other stuff there because it's the most comprehensive and thorough um historical collection on all things Mojave Desert that exists. And every year, his original group, before it became MDHCA, was called the Friends of the Mojave Road. And they would do an annual event where they would get together and they would do this Mojave Road rendezvous, where right all their friends would get together, they would hang out at the site, they would eat, they would go do different field trips, field expeditions, things like that. So this year, and they do it every year in October, this year is the 42nd annual, so it's been going for 42 years straight, and it is it draws a, a big crowd. It's normally for members only, but because Dennis passed away in February, this year, the MDHCA is opening it up to non-members. So if you're a member, it's $25 bucks a year. You come for free. Um, dinner is Saturday night. They ask for a $10 donation because it's a really good barbecue, um, but there's workshops. I'm going to be doing an EMHT prep and planning workshop. There's going to be a blacksmith there doing blacksmithing. There's I know, want to
0: see he, that. I knew you were going to say that. The show's so awesome. cool <laughs> to watch, dude.
3: Right. So do I. Um, uh, what will he be Dave blacksmithing,
0: Nichols? though? What will he be? Not going to make uh, I think
3: he's, I hooves.
1: I think
0: he's making horseshoes. Horseshoes? I guess you don't make hooves. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, really, <laughs> making hooves.
1: That's. Sure. Or maybe you a root
0: <laughs> Sure. <laughs> your
3: horse's um, carriage. <laughs> right. Um, but there's going to be – so on the site, Dennis had collected, right, because of the mining history in the Mojave Desert, there's actually, like, gyrator mills. There's crushers. There's stamp mills. And so those are all going to be running and being demonstrated. Uh, Dave Nichols from National Parks is going to be there. He's he's archaeologist with the preserve. Um, there is actually uh, – Dennis Dennis Caseberg actually owned the property, but they discovered – um, like an Indian cave with a midden on it, and they did an archaeological expedition on this or excavation. By the way, you just piqued Lightning's interest. This I'm is like, exactly you, where he gets You Indian had
0: food. me at mining. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I'll, I will yeah. walk there. Yeah.
1: And watch all the stand wheels well, go yeah. off and yeah. stuff. Oh, dude.
3: They're cool because these things are huge. And they were right when you, when they sit here and go, it's a mobile crusher. You look at this thing, it's, it's 20 feet wide and 40 feet tall. You're like, that's mobile. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I mean, I mean, just some some hard, hard people back in the day, man. These guys worked hard to do anything. Kind of makes um, you feel yes. bad about
1: yourself when you realize how hardy people were back then.
3: Yeah, I mean they they were legit. And um, but those are going to be running. But this this site, this archaeological site that uh, Dave Nichols led an excavation on, they've dated this thing back to the year seven hundred. So it's He's 1300 years old with indigenous people living in it. What and exactly? 700. So, I mean, yeah, so so this thing's 1300 years old, and uh, so Dave's gonna be doing a presentation on that. I want to I want to see that, um, but what, just did, a lot. Did, of cool did they stuff. find anything in it?
0: What, what were their
1: well, maybe yeah, you have they, to yeah, go to like find out Petri, if we told everybody here, people wouldn't, right?
3: Know. Yeah, lighting yeah, they did actually. So, <gasps> it's a great event on its own Um, but this year is special because of dennis passing away and his wife had uh, his wife joanne had preceded him in death and so rendezvous on saturday afternoon we're also going to be doing his service it's not it's not going to be a tribute it's his actual service that's going to be there people who enjoy exploring the mojave desert enjoy the history of the mojave desert enjoy Mojave road or, or now the EMHT again, you know, this is kind of your final chance to say goodbye and be a part of that. And then, you know, the, the other thing is what's going to be, what I'm really looking forward to is later that evening.
0: Tell me you're going to have balloon animals and you're going to have face painters and a bounce house. Yeah. lightning. they're going to have all of that. (laughs) You should
2: go out there and check
0: it out in person. Oh no, obviously <laughs> uh, But
1: um, you know balloon animals and stamp mills
3: just don't they
0: just don't match.
3: Yeah, it's I'm I'm I'm, I'm sitting there thinking of cactus actually. <laughs> oh, well, there's that too. <laughs> but that evening after the service and after dinner, uh, kind of all of his friends are going to gather and they're going to do a tales from the trail, right? Just stories about Dennis from from creating the Mojave Road, from creating the NHT, from from doing all this. I hope
1: somebody records and, that because this will be the last time that you really that people are going to be that open and share some of these old stories to pass down whether it's through oral history or somebody writes it down or whatever that I hope it gets right.
3: recorded it is october 7th through 10th and it's in Goss, so it's mm. i guess the closest plottable city is essex you guys just put and thank you for this you guys just put kind of the the blast on it on on your website
1: yep at four wheeler um, so, on my
3: so people can, right, they can go there, they can get the information, they can call the MBHCA and sign up. You become a member, it's 25 bucks for the year and it allows you to camp on the site for free. And it's a really good cause and, and it's helping to support this organization and all that it does with cultivating and curating the history of the area and the trails and um, some of the work that we're trying to do right now. Like one of the things that I'm really trying to further and, and get in place is actually establishing more infrastructure for camping for overlanders, for, um, scouting to bring in scout troops to do, you know, merit badges, learn desert exploration, and also, you know, scientific field research, right. So that, so that scientists get based out of there because from where it's located, you have the whole Eastern Mojave Desert. So a lot of really cool stuff that that is supported by attending this, and like I said, this year is kind of the final goodbye to Dennis, which which and Joanne, his wife. So it's going to be a, a very special uh, time and place. And so for people where this holds a lot of uh, sentiment and nostalgia, it's kind of a cool thing to do.
1: And if you love the desert, I mean, you're going to get some to see some uh, vintage ancient machinery come to life. You're going to get to see. Uh, historical things—you get to meet people and characters from the desert. You get to hear stories. Uh, you get to have a good meal out there. Yeah. It's just—it's just a cool deal.
3: Yeah, there's there's one other cool thing happening. Um, I think I told you about it, Sean. Which yep. is on Sunday. So this is going to require an advance sign up, and it's an extra fee uh, because it's state parks. But. Mitchell Caverns is reopened to the public, but it's by reservation only. No, and by the way, no. Mitchell
1: Caverns is awesome. If you uh, never been, oh, never wanted, been? Oh, yeah. to go? Uh, Eastern yeah. uh, California. Yep. Uh, it's yep. it's awesome. It's these natural caverns, and you can walk through them, and it's like the stalactites, stalagmite trails, like all that kind of stuff yep. in this in this area. If you if you know Joshua Tree, and you think of like all the boulder outcroppings and things that they have, it's in an area like that. And in even if you don't go directly. To Mitchell Caverns, which you should because it's awesome. Camping around there in these like really protected boulder fields with boulders that are, you know, 30, 40, 50 feet high is really cool.
0: Is that by the River of Gold? No. Okay.
3: So the River of Gold is Coca Leaf. That's that's up just off the 15.
0: Gotcha.
1: Uh, I don't know if you remember that picture I took from the EMHT where we were on a, a vista. Uh huh. overlooking, looking east, and I said we came from those mountains over there, that was from Cocoa Weef, basically, okay. that area. So Cocoa Weef is uh, east of
0: the 15. Um, is that still tied up in all kinds of litigation where people are trying to uh, get at the gold that supposedly exists hundreds of feet underground?
3: I, I I would say yeah.
0: Now, I was on Wikimapia. It's basically, I felt like it's Google Earth. But people go in and put their own comments like Wikipedia, and they say, "Oh, means- this is a mine. This is the, the the George S. Smith mine and and it's dated and it was open. And they put in their own notes from either, however they came upon those notes. And then, of course, you can go in and you can correct it just like they do with Wikipedia. Anyway, and I love to go over the Mojave Desert. No joke. I have done this more than a dozen times where I, I, I zoom all the way in as far as it'll let me zoom, and then I just click on dots. And these dots are put there by people, and I'll see it's this mine, it's that mine, and I'm obsessed with mines, as Holman knows. And I came across some note that said something about the river of gold at this mine. And I'm like, what? So then I started Googling the river of gold. Is and- that
1: the one that Uncle Earl Doerr discovered and then told everybody about? Like it, he said it was the,
0: the biggest gold deposit in the United States. So, And then people were like, are you full of crap or so is wh- it really true? Uh, well, I here, let me, I think I'm going to screw the story up, but I'm going to let Billy correct me. Okay, I believe it, what had happened is that he some this guy stumbled upon this... Crawled down, got gold, underground, like an underground river, okay? Then there are, there are these caverns under the Mojave Desert that travel for many, many miles, many hundreds of feet
1: Well, down. and you have to yeah. understand, too, that the Mojave Desert also has the Mojave River, which goes underground most of the year R- as well. Right. There's a lot of things you don't see. A lot of people go to Vegas, and it's just blight out there. And there's so much going on in the Mojave dirt. Desert. We have no idea well, of the it's ecosystem. A, it's, so, it's an incredible so, place.
0: And, and from what I recall, and I'm sure I'm screwing the story up, but he goes and he takes a, this huge chunk of gold and he brings it to the, the SA's office. And they go, where did you get this? And he says, well, I've got this plot of land or whatever. And eventually there was a, a fight because it, it was Indian land or something. He wasn't allowed to have it. And he blew up the entrance with dynamite. And so then the word got out that there was this river of gold. And I guess what they were saying is, because the, ca- the 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 desert is shaped in such a way that all of the rainwater comes down off the sides of the mountains that are you know three thousand foot up whatever, and it it's like a trough, and all of that heavy gold goes into this into the into the sand and the dirt, and goes down into this river underground river, and aligns this canyon of this river down well, there. The underwater with underwater gold, right? With, with with flowing water, if with you. flowing believe. water. So right.
1: he he signed door. Signed an affidavit back in uh, December of 1934, December 10th, 1934. Uh, he lived in Pasadena at the time, and he signed a, a sworn affidavit about the facts in his, ex, in his exploration. So there's a couple cool things on there. Uh, number one, he says, from the mouth of the cave, we encountered a canyon from which the altimeter and by calculations we found to be 3,000 to 3,500 feet deeper, making a total depth of 5,400 feet from the mouth we entered the cave. So a mile away wow. from where they entered, essentially, right? Um, found the cave, number two. Found the cave divided into many caverns or chambers of various sizes, Then uh, they're filled and embellished with stalactites, making these caves one of the wonders of the world. Three, the largest chamber we explored is 300 feet wide and 400 feet long and 50 to 110 feet high. It's encrusted with crystals fashioned in festoons. This is a quote from his affidavit. It is encrusted with crystals fashioned in festoons of innumerable stalactites that hang from the ceiling, some of which are extremely large. One of the largest scene is 27 feet in diameter and hangs 1,510 feet down into a 3,000-foot canyon. This great stalactite is perpetually washed by water flowing down over it and falling into the dark canyon depths. The huge glistening white crystal is 500 feet longer than the Eiffel Tower and challenged us with amazement and wonder. That's from the guy's affidavit. Could you imagine if that's real and
0: that's somewhere under the 15 freeway? It's insane. Insanity, it, right? So, Just cruising so, in your car, so, going to Vegas, and it's yeah. down there somewhere. All
1: right, Billy has something to say. We Great. should let him in. Well,
3: so how did, how did Door hear about it? So I don't know how Door heard about it. So Door heard about it because way before that, there were three Paiute Indian brothers, George Oliver and Buck Pacer, who actually had discovered it, and they called it uh, Rich Sands of Gold. And they had their pockets filled with this gold sand that produced like fifty-seven thousand dollars worth of gold in the time, and which is right, think millions of dollars. Oh yeah, dollars.
1: that's number seven of his and, affidavit. Oliver Buck and George Pacer.
3: Yeah. So then years later, they told their white friend Earl Dore about it, and then the story started.
1: I see. So it says that I have known intimately Oliver Buck and George Pacer from my boyhood. These caves with them repeatedly and thoroughly. They have reported to me in detail their experience in exploring caves. One of them, George, lost his life in the cave. Buck and Oliver say George was killed by diving in the river on the floor of the canyon. He struck an unseen rock, which killed him instantly. They have reported to me repeatedly their mining experiences and say they mined on the beach sands of the river a total in all six weeks. They carried lumber down to the river and constructed a sluice box. And using a pump, the three mined for six weeks during which they recovered more than $57,000 in gold, there you go. which is uh, $20 per ounce, I guess at the time. They sent their gold directly to the U.S. Mint and banked the returns in a bank in Needles, California, and another bank in Las Vegas, Nevada. I last talked to them in my home about November tenth, 1934, at which time they re- uh, repeated their former statements, giving information as to how they discovered the river— and more their experience in mining, they recovered several of the largest nuggets of gold ever found in California. Both Mr. Morton and myself filled our pockets with sands from the ledges, carried out, and had it assayed. Just what Mr. Morton's sand has I do not know, but it was approximately $2,000 per ton. I carried out 10 pounds and 2 ounces of the ledge sand and panned 7 pounds, recovering more than $7 in gold. With gold at $20 an ounce, I sold the gold for $18 an ounce. The balance of my 10 pounds of sand I sent to John Herman, a Los Angeles assayer, his, his uh, a sales certificate shows a value of two thousand one hundred forty-four dollars and forty-seven cents per yard of gold at twenty dollars and sixty cents per ounce. <laughs> Dude, that's quite the story, right? It is the story. Right. Now, so, what's so, the deal? so
3: that legend, right, is is fraught with murder and mystery and all these things. I mean, you talk about like Dennis, right? Case Bear. he knew these people directly. He interviewed them directly. He transcribed interviews with the with folks directly, and so. Yeah, you know, that's part of some of the stuff that's in the archives at it, at it, uh, the MDHCA site.
0: Do you believe that it is real, or do you believe it's all? It sounds like they found gold, but did they really find gold in a five thousand foot deep crevasse in the know? late
1: twenties and early thirties?
0: Yeah, and if that's the case, how has it not been found today? Because now we have ultrasonic. Well, you, you know, essentially machines. know where it is. It's between Cocoa Leaf Peak and Door Peak, somewhere in that general area. But I, I right. was under the impression that it's now owned by a mining company.
3: Is that not true? Yeah. It's, okay. Well, it's been – it's changed hands a lot. There's been a lot of legal battles over it, um, and I don't know all the specific details of it. But, you know, you asked me if I believe it's real. Um, all Most legends are, are based in some reality, some truth, and – Part of me would like to absolutely believe that it's real, because because right, it it's really neat when you're on that part of the EMHT to look at that mountain and go, wow, there might be yeah some really cool stuff inside of that. Hundred
1: percent. And when you're out there, it's sort of like you've got the fifteen west of you. You're in the coca Weef area, and there's all these like like peaks and like um, switchbacks and stuff. And then you get to the edge of those mountains there that are sort of like the In between that ledge and the 15 you look out and you look toward the east and it's a huge expanse of mojave desert it's just so freaking amazing and
0: it's riddled with mines currently oh sure riddled with it's swiss Swiss cheese. so but what makes you think that those mines stop at the base of the mountains meaning i'm sorry the gold deposits it it could go down thousands of feet and you know, at Good. first, at first, you when you're driving, like we joke, you're on the 15 freeway going from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, and you're driving over, and you're going, no, there's nothing around here, it's just dirt, and you think, well, wait a minute, when it rains, and it when it rains out there, it rains hard, and then in a couple hours, the water's gone. How does the, right. the where where does it go? Straight down. Yep. It's like it just goes straight through the earth, and it ends up. In some type of a river. But, well, and there is supposed to be a tunnel
1: on the Door Peak side as well as one on the Coca Weave Peak side, but right. I believe the Coca Weave Peak side was the one that they dynamited, right, to to close it off. Right.
3: So the one that was their original way in that they dynamited is actually the one that's been mapped. Um, okay. And so the the issue has always been finding the right spot because I couldn't remember where it was originally. Yeah. I'm you telling know, you, and, the
1: Mojave Desert people, like, I know that I don't want this to turn to California pompousness. But all you people who who live east of the Mississippi River, who don't have all this great public land, and all you people who live south of Utah or north of Utah that have all the ranchers who who have all the land, like California, Nevada, western Arizona, even New Mexico, I guess, even
0: even eastern Arizona – There's so much awesome desert to explore. Who were we talking to recently that said, you know, you imagine Montana, you know, just God's country up there. And you imagine you could just go up there and explore. And he says, no, 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 no. Just to the contrary. It's 90 percent owned. Right. It's private private or or ranch or ranches. You're you're getting shot if you go wheeling up there. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. Well,
1: when I recently did the uh, Rivian deal on Transamerica Trail and we went from um, from Oklahoma to Utah you know we're we're crossing private property and there's signs everywhere and you know you do not want to leave the trail because there's it's posted like hundreds and hundreds of
0: miles of signs of stay out no trespassing is there an equivalent of this area on the east coast maybe like the great smoky mountains or is there is there an equivalent awe inspiring area for either wheeling or exploring let's say east of the mississippi That that, you know, again, to be fair, there's gotta be something. Well there there
1: are sure, there's things out there, but it's not open not BLM land. It's it's either national park or private land or off-road parks because the population density in the East is is so much more that they just don't have the same opportunities. Now I'm not saying there's nowhere to go. There's absolutely are a ton of places to go, but it's not like the wide open deserts of the southwestern United States.
0: Which it's funny that yeah, when you I, hear when you hear Billy, I don't know how old you are. Do you remember the band Depeche Mode? So,
3: De- oh yeah, Depeche Mode. They, they Yeah, they, <laughs> they 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 come over hey, here. Look, look, I grew up in the heyday. I was a teenager in the heyday of K Rock, brother.
0: Okay, so. all right, right on. So so Depeche Mode comes over here, like many bands, like you two, right? You two with the famous Joshua Tree album, right? By and, the way, that Joshua Tree just uh, died. Oh, the
1: one that they shot. Yep. Okay. Yep. That famous tree is now dead. On the cover. So these Rest bands peace, would tree. come
0: these these bands would come over from other countries or even East Coast bands, and they would go across the California desert and go, "This is Mars." Like they 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 yeah. had heard about Joshua Tree, they had heard about the Mojave Desert, but until they got in their tour bus and it just seemed endless, then they write songs about it. So for the whole world to 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 enjoy, but I I wish that everyone could experience it, you know. And I want to talk about. Now, how someone, well, let's get into that. How does someone plan a trip in brief? Like, let's not get really into the weeds here, but how does someone plan to come out here, either rent a Jeep or some, some four-by or, or drive and be a part of this for, say, a week or two and experience what we're talking about?
3: Before we go there, I want to address your previous point about are there any awe-inspiring things east of the Mississippi? And the answer is every state has very cool awe-inspiring things and some very cool trails and very cool exploration opportunities. The difference is how wide open and how remote you can get once you get west of the Mississippi. Um, You can leave people behind for very long distances, That is what I think is the big difference is you can get far more remote the more west you go. But every state has really cool stuff. It's just it's a completely geographically different experience. Like the first time you go to Tennessee or Kentucky, you're like, wow, this is a shade of green. I didn't know existed if you're from Southern California versus if you're from back there, you come to the desert and you're like, wow, I've never seen this much brown in my life. Everybody has cool exploration stuff and I I wouldn't want to diminish anybody's exploration opportunities but it is a completely different experience and which makes it all the better right it makes it that much more awe inspiring to your point because it's so foreign to people who've never seen it
0: So so Billy do you do you uh you fly into Ontario Airport you fly into Vegas or I want you to plant the seed into someone's head that lives in you know Any other state, how do they get here? What do they do?
3: What's their course of action? If you're you're doing a quick trip, you could fly into Vegas, take a rental car to Death Valley, right across from, I think it's now called the Death Valley Resort. It used to be the Furnace Creek Inn. There's a Jeep rental place. You can rent a Jeep, and you can explore parts of Death Valley. You can explore a lot of Death Valley if you know what you're about and you're properly equipped. I would caution people, right, if you're going to truly try to get out and get remote. It's not just the vehicle. You have to have the skills and you have to have the other kit that goes along with it. You know, some research would be required, but somebody can jump on. I mean, heck, you know, I've driven from California to Tennessee in, in three days. So you can get here pretty quick. If you're like, Hey, I'm going to take a week off bookended by weekends. You know, you can do a three day weekend and, and get from coast to coast. I've done California
1: or a tennis, sorry, Tennessee to California via Denver in 43 hours.
3: Okay, so so you can speed run it and then get to where you want to spend time exploring, have your route mapped out and, and explore, you know, either the Mojave Desert or the Sonoran Desert or Utah, right? You can stop shorter and do Moab and do a lot of the stuff around there. Or Canyonlands is amazing, the White Rim Trail. There's there's a lot of opportunities to, to explore. In fact, you mentioned Montana. I just spent eight days in the backcountry of Montana. You know, exploring through the gravelly range and up over into Yellowstone and, and then back up to the top of Glacier and then back down and around. So, you know, there's ways with proper planning to figure out a route,
0: And sometimes permits, too. So those are um, some good options that you gave, Billy. Again, you fly into Vegas, you you get a rental, you go to Death Valley, then you get a Jeep, and then you plan on spending, you know, two, three days. Not getting super, super deep and getting yourself in trouble, but, you know— rolling around the rim so to speak
3: right yeah it's it's yeah i mean a lot of the cool stuff from death valley is on or near pavement um now there's some some very very cool stuff that's that's way away from that kind of stuff uh, but you can see you know badwater basin is off of pavement right that's the lowest point in north america um 283 feet below sea level you can do Devil's Golf Course, which is these amazing um, ground salt-like formations that it, it's just otherworldly. It's it's hard to even describe. It looks like white coral for just miles. There's there's Artist Palette with all the different colors in the rocks. There's Titus right? West Side, like Side Road so- rhyolite. Yeah, West Side Road um, rhyolite. Uh, the what is it? Gold. Uh, there's that old ghost town that's north
1: that's really cool there's saline valley if you go down racetrack and go up over uh mine road which is pretty cool
3: yeah people people need to be a little prepared yeah that's definitely
1: not a Um, rent a jeep and go do it but for overlanders it's a great trip
3: exactly but but for somebody who just says hey i'm new to this or i i really am not familiar with desert terrain but i want to experience some of it fly in get to death valley rent a jeep And, and you can hit a lot of the stuff right there. You can go down West side road, which is very cool. I would highly recommend not doing the hairy weight exit route unless you're prepared to dig because certain, certain times it can be four feet deep in soft sand. So much you can do with not being considered, you know, an expert driver, um, or even, you know, just as a novice driver with minimal kit, there's a lot you can do in Death Valley and not get yourself in over your head. And that's the same for Moab. It's the same for the Mojave Desert, right? So there's a lot of opportunities for people of every skill level to get out there and figure out what they're comfortable with. And and people who've never explored the desert and experienced that type of, of um, environment, I would say, hey, you know what? Start with a little bit. Get your feet wet. And then... Did you like it? If you like it, plan a bigger trip.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, I wanted to talk. Yeah. I wanted to talk about um, EMHT and the news with you working with uh, the government agencies and sort of what's happening with that.
3: Sure. So, so we've we've talked before about the EMHT, the East Mojave Heritage Trail, and what it is. Right. It was it was it was originally conceived by Dennis as an alternative to get people off of Mojave Road because of potential overuse, which is happening now for sure. And he conceived, you know, Mojave Road is A to B, 133 miles east to west, whereas the Mojave, or the East Mojave Heritage Trail is 660 miles, broken up into four segments that meanders through. It's a much more comprehensive tour of of the Mojave Desert, and it's a loop route. So it begins and ends in needles. The remap that I did of it is 733 miles. So be prepared. I, I had a lot of success working with BLM and national parks on this out, the, out of the preserve because those guys understood the reasoning for it and that it's a win across the board. It's a win for the environment. It's a win for the agencies. It's a win for off-road recreationists and explorers and, and field researchers to have this access. So, So we've all been working together for years now. I've been working on this thing since 2017 and we are now at the point where this is a compliant route, it's out there, um, it's, it's being pushed, it's, it's, I'm starting to get pinged by more and more people who are doing it. But now it's coming to a whole new level where, where national parks, where BLM and um, Tread Lightly are now involved, where we're starting to have meetings at the executive level about Hey, how do we properly sign this to keep people on the right route to make sure they don't inadvertently wander into a wilderness area? How do we, you know, where could we, you know, strategically and sensitively place some kiosks so people have some more information about the environment where they are, some of the history of where they are? How do we get more information into people's hands so that they know about this route so that they can do this? It's all amazing, right? I've said it before. Um, that I'm having an experience with these government agencies that everybody told me was not possible. Uh, it's been nothing but collaborative. It's been nothing but cooperative. And, and again, the the experience is second to none in the Mojave desert. It really is. I'm not just saying it because I'm the guy that, that redid the route. Um, if, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't have pushed it. But you know, when I, when I, I'm finishing it this year.
1: The- so I mean, I'm, I'm a little less many, than halfway done. How many done. miles
3: have you done? Yeah. Are, are you are you coming to my workshop?
0: Uh, I we'll, we'll, we'll talk off air.
1: Yeah, I,
4: I definitely, <laughs> <but> that <laughs> means, that means you no. Know,
0: and the, you know what? Here's here's what sucks is that I've been after Holman for quite a long time to go back out there. Uh-huh. Um. October 10th is my anniversary, and I doubt that my wife will be. What better way to save your anniversary? I I would love it. You never know. She might be up for. We've done some wacky stuff, so she might be. Maybe she wants a $10 barbecue. Come on. I don't know. I
3: mean, we should go get a. Yeah. Lightning. I took my girlfriend and 13-year-old daughter. For her birthday, which is Valentine's Day, we did Valentine's Day at the Little Alien in Rachel Nevada in Area 51. No, but lightning, you can you can certainly do Desert Vistas for your anniversary. See, if there you go. Would
0: Would you just say Desert Vistas? Yeah. What what, do you, yeah. what are you saying? What do you mean?
3: What are you I saying? Will, <laughs> I will I will send you a picture of one of the places I camped on the EMHT that you wouldn't know that there's another human on the planet. You're and just saying, just are, you, are you, are you, desert saying, desert.
1: wait, he has to get his truck so he can get there because right now it's impossible for him to get there. That's
0: correct. But you're just saying oh. go up to a Vista and that's where you're camp, and It's beautiful and romantic. That's what you're saying,
3: correct? There's a lot of them. Yes.
0: Okay. Yes. Days.
3: Yes. So bring her.
0: Yeah. I, I don't, she, she does camp. I don't know. I'll run it by her. See what she, if she's into it. Cause that right. does sound like a, a fun weekend before we let you go. Can you tell everybody about the book you sent me? Because that was
1: so freaking cool.
3: The diary. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a book. um, It's called uh, the East Mojave diary. And the author is Bob Osmus. And this is a guy who grew up in the Mojave desert in the heyday. So all the people that we read about now, when you're, when you're researching the Mojave desert, if you're going to do a trip, please do the research because the history is what makes it cool. If you're doing the EMHT, right, all four books have a lot of history in them. And and the names that you're going to come across, uh, Riley Bembry, whose gravesite is on the EMHT, and a lot of the people, the OX Ranch, um, and just all of that, this guy's book is talking about these people in the first person because he grew up with all of them out there. And it's it's pretty amazing um, as a diary. Did you actually finish reading it?
1: I have not finished reading it, um, but I'm getting close. I'm I'm gonna have that completely done, and then book uh, uh, two, three, and four completely done before uh, the next trip out there because I want to. Okay. I want to be able to be the guy that's on the radio telling people who are too lazy to read
0: what's cool. What th- <laughs> this diary was written in what era?
3: Uh, It was, it was published in 1989. The guy actually agreed. Finally, um, Dennis had been begging him to get his history and his stories in print before it became too late. And the guy finally agreed to do it. And his name is Bob Osmus. The book is the East Mojave diary. It's for sale through, uh, it's published by Tales of the Mojave Road, which was Dennis's company and you can buy it through mdhca.org. One, one of the cool things about Rendezvous is the bookstore will be open. You can buy all these while you're there.
1: Oh, and by the way, the but. bookstore is awesome. There's a tremendous amount of knowledge sitting in there that's for sale in terms of different books from different people, way beyond just the Mojave uh, books that Dennis did. Um, I've bought a bunch of books out of there just because I love the Mojave Desert so much, and uh, I, I highly recommend Even if you go to uh, mdhca.org, to the website, you can go to the bookstore, check out, they probably have five pages of different books they offer. It's really great.
3: Right. And what's, what's neat about this is if you, if you pair it with like, let's just use the EMHT books as an example, Dennis putting the history in the EMHT books, he's kind of giving you, you know, who these guys were, who these people were, cause there were women involved as well. So it wasn't just guys out there. Um, but Dennis kind of gives you the who and the when and the where and but Bob's story, his, his anecdotes and his stories really bring them to life about, you know, dance halls and and dinners and senses of humor. And, and liver jokes. killer, oh, at the old watering hole. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, it, it, it brings it to life, really. But these – da- so, oh, hold, this- hold on a
0: second, Billy. Uh, these stories are about the guys who did the research in the, in the 70s and the 80s, are they're back? No, no. Uh, oh, these are the people that least, lived it. They're writing the their diary. These are the people who were who were
1: the original first person out
3: there. Like who, this first is first what happened who, in the
0: twenties and
1: thirties.
3: Okay, that's
0: all oh, right. Uh, all right, gotcha.
3: Yeah, this is this is how this ranch that everybody stops when they're doing Mojave Road, um, just up off Landfair is the big OX Ranch water tank that's white with the OX OX logo in red on it, and everybody takes their picture there. Well, this guy's talking about who owned it and how they got it and the history of it. And the fact that it's actually still working today, it, it just makes it present and it brings it to life. And so you just get a better sense of, of who these people were and how their lifestyle was out there. You know, where we look at a recreational trail, this was how these guys got to the gas station. <laughs> you know, It's actually a very, very cool read. And if you're going to explore out there, it adds a completely different dimension to your exploration and your experience in the Mojave.
0: Uh, back to Rendezvous. If someone wanted to attend this on uh, my anniversary, October 10, uh-huh. someone being you it's, with my wife
1: and I, uh-huh.
0: how would they do that?
3: So it's October 7th through 10th. They can go to mdhca.org. Um, you can actually they can actually go to your website and look at the schedule because you guys put the put the post out there.
1: Now yeah, go to MotorTrend.com um, go to the four wheeler section under news, and you'll see the uh, the story on it.
3: Right, but they can go on. Uh, you can call the site and sign up. Uh, unfortunately, our our web presence and social media presence isn't great. I'm trying to work on that. We're trying to make that better, but it's it's a bit dated uh, just because of, of how and who it is, but um, we will fix that over the next year. But you can go on, sign up. Really, we, we really need and appreciate a head count for so we know how much food to have for Saturday dinner. If you're a member, membership is 25 bucks. You can camp on the site for free. If you're not a member, we're asking for a $10 fee to be there because of just all the stuff that's being offered. It costs, costs us a lot of money. It's going to be a really cool thing. And like I said, it's, it's kind of the one last time to be a part of Dennis um the person not just his legacy but just him as the person and hearing kind of firsthand stories from his friends um as his kind of final send-off
0: sounds like a very uh very cool touching informative event
3: i know that people you, you know
1: they go based on us talking about it i was uh, just at uh, the adventure off-road thing i had some listeners come up and said hey i'm here because i heard it on the podcast so i know that the people yeah. listening um are listening because they want to hear cool things that are going on. And I think this is a very unique experience that you might not think about if you're trying to do something cool with your kids or your family, or you just happen like history in the desert, this is going to be a neat event. And I think it's different than a lot of other things that are offered out there.
3: And you want to know something. So so I'm going to give you two more updates that are really cool um, that I was remiss before. So the schoolhouse museum, so it also used to be Patton's headquarters when he trained his troops in that's where he trained them in World War II for North Africa and Italy campaigns. What you talking about, Willis? Yes, I am. I'm not kidding. Um, Camp Kama, Clipper Base, all that stuff is right around there. Uh, but Camp Kama was right there, and his HQ was that schoolhouse museum that you would visit when you come to the site. A very cool thing, but it sits right at the corner of Goss Road and and the original Route 66, which that section has now been officially designated. Uh, National Historic St. Byway. So that is original Route 66 right there next to the site. And the other thing that I don't know if you know this, Sean, you might, but um, Mojave Road was just designated a uh, National Historic Route. If there's ever a historic
1: uh, route that needed to be designated in the Woo! world, that's the one. Great.
3: Right. Right, right, right. Very cool. So all good stuff happening, um, all good people. And we're hoping to see a bunch of you guys out there. Like I said, I'm doing an EMHC workshop for anybody interested. The books are there. My supplement guide comes with it. Um, you don't have to pay for that separate. And I'll be there to, to teach people how to do it, give them advice. And, you know, there's there's schedules for different events and, or different uh, workshops and the trips. But um, I will always make time for anybody, you know, that that couldn't make that workshop. I'll always make time to help them out. So. But you
0: don't have a lot to say, though, Billy. You're
3: sho- <laughs> you're 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 you're, you're short winded.
0: Yeah, he's very very very
1: hard to keep him, uh, you know, going for more than five or ten I, minutes. We
0: constantly have to prod him. Tell us yeah, more, 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 more. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. No. I I was not the one who was late.
1: <laughs> oh, hey! All right. On that note, hey, great talking to you again. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy your cocktail why don't you have another and um, oh we that's will, that's been gone for a long time we'll uh right. we'll catch up with you soon if you want to follow uh our friend adventurer billy creech uh it's at uh was a fractal exploration on
3: instagram fractal fractal dot exploration
1: all right well uh, we've got lots of show to get to so billy we will talk to you soon again thanks so much for coming on and uh inspiring the uh explorer hearts and minds of our listeners
3: yeah, man, always, always a pleasure, always a great time with you guys, which is why I get so verbose. So, <laughs> all right, well, we, we love your verboseness,
1: and uh, we will uh, we'll be in touch soon and see you uh, see you out at at Goffs.
3: All right, gentlemen, you all have right. a good night. Talk all right, to buddy, talk to you soon. Bye bye.
1: All right, so this is the end of the show, but mm-hmm. we promised you something special, and that was, <laughs> for those of you who made it, we're, we're curious, how many of you make it to the end of the Truck Show podcast?
0: Because we just think you guys just bail out halfway through. Yeah, right?
1: and most of you do, <laughs> let's be honest, uh, but we want to see how long you stay. So we asked you to uh, leave a message on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105, of your best <laughs> Holman impersonation, well, and this is what how, we got. Well,
0: hold on a second, This is how, this is the real one right here. This is Holman at at Outtake. I'm the real one. No. (laughs) but this You're just impersonating yourself at this point. (laughs) True. This is the real one. I'm going to push the button. Okay, go. You don't make a word. I mean, you're you're not as good as the original. (laughs) I'm not as good as me? No. Okay. You're not as good as the original. All right, well, let's see what uh, the
1: first caller left for us.
0: Oh, come on and be part of the show the Six one oh five. It's the five star hotline. hotline. I'm looking at the transcription of this one, Holman. It's from an eight oh one area code. Uh, <laughs> all right. I mean that one
1: was good. Uh, how about the one from the eight one two area code? <laughs> this is Seth. Thanks for all your hard work, guys. Keep it
2: up. Five stars.
0: That was horrible, Seth. Yeah, that was... Don't don't uh, ever do that again. That was some weird... You know what it was? Unless we ask you to. No, that was the sheep that sound like people. You know what? (laughs) Have you seen
1: that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, How about this one from the uh, 812 area
3: code? All right, I listened to the last of the message, so here's my best impression. Okay, I've actually got two live goats here that are trying to bleep, (laughs) and they're just making all sorts of noise, and then as soon as I did it, they quit making noise. (laughs)
2: So that was a disappointment.
0: But there you go. Enjoy the clip of audio. Uh, so I said, I said I like it's a goat. It's a goat that sounds like a person I would
1: right? like to tell him that that was not
0: a disappointment.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was outstanding. The first goat we've ever had call into the show. <laughs> I had a one from the 865 area code. I don't even know where that is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that was solid.
0: There was more... You, right? I like, I like, I like the bass. All right, I like, I like how you made it his own. Mm-hmm. Here we go.
2: <laughs>
3: hey fellas, this is Peter up in Northern California. Did that by request, and then for the headlights off in the nighttime, I got to side with Holman on this one. Um, I think it's a bright dashboards coupled with a lot of ambient light. People just don't even realize the lights are off. Not really the daytime running lights. Anyway. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to more shows and have
1: a good one. Hey, Peter, I only have one thing to say to
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost as good as uh, the original. The Peter hailing from the 408 area code. Um, and here's one from the 602. That, that's Arizona, correct? I believe that is Phoenix area.
3: I'm here to make my impersonation of Holman so we can hear his. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Great
1: show. Five stars. <laughs> nice. You, I love it. I love
3: Congratulations. it. Congratulations. You have earned five stars.
0: You guys are awesome. Five
3: stars. Five
0: stars. Five stars. Hotline 657-205-6105. Well done. The Holman Impressions. Well done, guys. Appreciate all right, uh, I
1: appreciate all you guys for uh, doing that. Um, I want to know what you think lightning sounds like. Normally oh, I no. normally I say I am lightning, <laughs> but I want to know like what you think lightning sounds like. I would like your best lightning impersonation on the next show. You know
0: what it's going to be? What it's going to be a lot of squeaky voices.
1: No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, you you you've matured over time. Your your octaves have dropped. I don't just think, like well, your testicles. But when I get <laughs> when I get hyper, I'm like ah ah
2: ah ah. Yeah, yeah, that. That, like, no, I sound like Seinfeld. No, I yeah?
1: Well, all right, we'll leave it up to the listener. Oh god, 657-205-6105. We gotta hear
0: it from you. What does lightning sound like? in your mind anyway alright or feel free to write us truckshowpodcast at gmail.com the truck show the
3: truck show the truck show
1: he's at LBC Lightning I'm at Sean P. Holman and we are at the truck show podcast so uh, if you guys want to reach out hit us up on
0: social we uh, love to hear from you guys I, I've been slacking off a little bit on Instagram. I was great, but For I'm going I'm, I'm to get back into it. So if you guys want to send us a message uh, on IG, feel free. I'm keeping an eye on that. Holman's keeping an eye on uh, Facebook. And, uh, no, no. I have,
1: I've been so busy lately. Oh, really? Yes, I'm sorry, guys. We're backed up on your message.
0: Oh. I look and I see like 49 messages, and I'm like, I don't have time today. All right, well, I'll go through the messages, but we do check every single email, so please do. We're going to have a a massive email segment on the next show, Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a minute, we'd really, really appreciate you guys going to the Apple Podcast app and giving us a five-star review. It means a lot to us. We're closing in on 1,000 five-star reviews, and that's how we get the show out. I mean, that's how people find out about us. And uh, that's and how really, we stay in the charts. And it just, it's just a great stroke for our egos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, at least we uh, are in the circle of trust and being honest. So uh, we will invite you into our circle of trust and mm-hmm. tell you that we really like Nissan trucks. And we love that Nissan trucks has uh, been with us for almost the entire length of the, uh, the show, the history of the show. So special uh, shout out, Nissan, if you are in the market for a half-ton truck, or a mid size truck. You want to go down and check out the Nissan Titan, Titan XD, and the Nissan Frontier. Of course, the Titans have the industry's best five-year,
0: 100,000-mile warranty. You can build in price at NissanUSA.com. And the freaking Fender audio system. I'm going to sit in it. Yeah. I'm going to pull up. My uh, little, uh, my app on my phone where I store and all my play audio. play the Truck Show Podcast. Nope, I'm going to play. <laughs> as loud as I can. Yep. Uh, that's, uh, I can. I'll just do it right here in your ear. You pay me and I'll no, just yell I don't, at you. No, no, no. It's not as good as this one because I know this one you can't get rid of. No. <laughs> your... No, not no, sounds no, as good. No. All right. I don't even remember when I did that, to be honest I don't about. know. Uh, you just
1: stole it. I, I I have no. I, I have no recollection of that. I'm working on something special. It's I funny. Can't tell you about oh jeez. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you, you? This is where you lie because you're a liar, liar. You're okay. lying liar that lies. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, you're like, I don't keep anything I cut. It I, all I gets love, deleted. I and now I'm funny. finding out you have an archive. I
0: love this. <laughs> I don't even know where that one came from.
1: I don't know. The that's is you. on fire. Yeah, that's you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's you. <The, true. laughs> oh, oh, you're seeing the. R- yeah. Hold <laughs> on. The the. the the is on fire. We don't, <laughs> we don't need, need no, no water. water <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh dot com. Has everything that you need to maintain and keep your vehicle uh, on the road, but they also have tools. Duralast tools feature a complete line of professional grade technicians' hand tools, engineers for what matters most speed, access, and strength. Duralast tools are manufactured with heat treated forged alloy steel for superior strength, and they feature a full polished chrome finish for corrosion resistance and easy cleaning. All Duralast tools are guaranteed for life. Of course, they've got ratchets and combo wrenches. They've got sockets, no, bit on. sockets, hold impact on. Sockets, on. sockets, breaker bars, new ratcheting God, wrenches, come on. tongue and groove, locking pliers, cutting, grip socket set, locking, I mean, uh, double leg, long reach pliers. What was the, the, what was the
0: slogan yes. that you came up with at the beginning of the show? Because It was magic. Uh, you'll have to go back to the beginning Are of it. You show. don't remember it? Uh, it, was it was something like, you get like more for your money,
1: or you get uh, you get a lot of tool for your money. You get the tool you need for any job, and uh, no. the most tool for your money. No, that's not it. All right, well, I it's hot in here, my brain is frying, so <laughs> all, right. all I know is it's getting hot in here, it's getting. Let's well, not go there. All right, <laughs> hey, hey it's listen, we no, do. Uh, <laughs> we're getting punchy. Go on down to your local AutoZone. check out yourlastparts.com, they support the show. I support them clearly with my uh, paycheck because Mm -hmm. of all the things I've had to buy from my old flat fender. And uh, they make quality parts, quality tools, and uh, if you guys need that stuff,
0: they're just right there in your neighborhood. AutoZone is where you go. And we're looking for the most cush, capable, and controlled ride on the road. Bill Stein is the name that you need to know.
1: That's right. Bill Stein has been around since 1873. They invented the monotube in 1955. And uh, when you're looking for the best shocks for your ride, they've got full coverage today for all popular vehicles, including direct replacement parts, performance parts, leveling kits, all the way up to race parts. In fact, you can find Bill Stein from the factory on Nissan Titans, Frontiers, Ram Tier Xs, and
0: Rebels, and the new Ford Bronco. To see the entire catalog, you just go to BillStein.com.
1: And last but not least, uh, shout out to our friends over at DZ. They're the company that makes truck accessories right here in the United States of America. Of course, DZ has been manufacturing truck and SUV accessories in Central
0: Iowa since 1977. D-E-E-Z-E-E, that's D W E Z W dot That's where you go for your American-made truck accessories. Uh, be the first to
1: know all about the products that are coming out by following them on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at DZMFG, at MFG. On that note, I'm going to make like a tree
0: and get the hell out of here.
3: <laughs> no, nah,
0: goat was better. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors.